0: Hey guys, what is going on? Welcome to, uh, I'm not even sure exactly what to call this. This is my first uh, inaugural podcast that I'm going to be completely solo. Of course, Jay is in the control room. He's talking along. So, uh, I, uh, you know, obviously, usually Saturday nights, we've kind of kept for what we're calling been wondering, you know, things I've been wondering about. You know, I, I have obviously interest in animals and wildlife and and in travel and adventure, but I also have a lot of other interests. You guys know I'm paranormal and uh, in cryptozoology and UFOs and uh, I mean all kinds of other, you know, science, uh, all kinds of stuff. So normally Saturday night is been wondering, uh, but uh, don't have any guests tonight. So that's the way it is. And, and right now, it's a little bit weird about guests. You know, things are a little bit tight here in Michigan. So I, uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to do a podcast tonight, uh, but I decided I was going to give this a go. You know, can I... Uh, have a podcast and not have a guest and see if you guys like it or not. I'm not sure. So a couple things to start with. Um, Obviously, I'll probably be talking a lot about reptiles tonight because that's the thing I you know, have the most knowledge of, but we might go off path a little bit. Certainly going to need your guys' help with some super chats. If you have questions, not only about the topic that I'm talking about, but also uh, if something else is on your mind that I can cover, that would be very helpful. We may go a half hour. We may go two hours. We'll just have to see how this whole whole thing goes. But uh, uh, obviously I've got Jay with me. So thank you, Jay, for hanging
1: out. Dude, you know it, bro. I've nowhere um, else I'd rather be.
0: All right. That's good <laughs> stuff. So, uh, so, yeah, you know, I figure, you know, uh, I'm going to start by... Kind of, I think that the philosophy behind if I do any more solo podcasts, and and by the way, let me know in the chat room and in the comments afterwards if you guys like the solo. Um, If I do any more solos, I I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, uh, it'll probably be. In the same ilk and what i mean by that is it's going to be talking about reptiles my philosophy behind it maybe the path that i've been on my philosophy behind business life in general might touch on some anxiety and mental health issues and so on like that over the time Uh, or this may be the only solo podcast that i ever do i'm not 100 (laughs) percent sure yet so uh you know i guess we'll start kind of where the whole thing started you know with, with my business and and just the direction in life and and, and obviously, I've told people a ton of times that, you know, since I was a little child, I was obsessed with with reptiles, dinosaurs, all that type of stuff. And and um, I, I just always remember, you know, it's interesting. I know a lot of people, you know, especially when they get into their teenage years and maybe even closer to getting out of high school, they, they really start struggling with what they're going to do with their life. Heck, a lot of college people struggle with what they're going to do with their life. I was pretty blessed with one thing, and that thing was that, I always knew what I wanted to do with my life. And now did I know I was going to work with reptiles and breed reptiles And in the, the wild path that I've been on over the last 30-something years? No way in the world. But I did know I was going to work with animals, you know, because that was all I really ever cared about. When I was a kid, that's all I watched on TV. That's every book I ever read was animal-based. So I knew I wanted to do that, and, and, and I had a special affinity to reptiles, you know, I loved all animals all and I still do, but I definitely had a special affinity towards reptiles. So, um, I didn't know what was going to happen and how it was going to go on, but I knew I loved them. And there was actually a pet shop. It was called the pet vendor and it was on my way home from school every day. And, and, and I know a lot of people are like, Oh boy, here we go with the, you know, walk 10 miles uphill every day to school. (laughs) No, but, but I mean, you know, when I was in uh, middle school and high school, they were very close, uh, in proximity um, I did walk home, not every day, but most days I walked home. And it was literally like a mile and a half walk, you know. But it it didn't bother me. It was safe and no problem. And one of the reasons why I a lot of times did want to walk home, what it was is, you know, my I was a single mother family and and she worked, you know, so she couldn't pick me up from school and and um and, and that was the options I had at the time. So uh but, but what was nice is is on the way home, this pet shop was there called the pet vendor. And at the time there was only really two pet shops in Michigan that carried reptiles. There was a place called the Tropical Fish Pond, and then there was the Pet Vendor. And and prior to that, there was a place called the Black Lagoon, but that was out of business. Yeah, it was a great name, you know, Uh, but it it was out of business before I was old enough to even know about it. So I'd heard the lore of the Black Lagoon, but (laughs) I had never been to the Black Lagoon. And um, so anyways, the Pet Vendor didn't have like a huge variety of reptiles, but they had a pretty decent amount. And again, there was no other pet shops outside the tropical fish pond. That was all pretty much almost all reptiles, even though it was called the tropical fish pond, it was almost all reptiles. Um, and, uh, and still to this day, you know, Jeff G was a legend and he's out in Arizona now working with uh tortoises and some stuff like that. But he used to supply like Alice Cooper with the snake that, that, you know, he traveled with on, on, uh, on tour. And so when you would go there, there was this huge cage that had Alice's Cooper snake in it when he wasn't on tour. So it was just a cool, it's a cool place. It wasn't far from the Detroit zoo. So when I could get out there, I'd always got that, but, but it was like, you know, 10 miles from my house. So I had to get a drive obviously to get out there. I didn't get out there that often, but the pet vendor was on my way home every day. So literally every day or, you know, four out of five days during the school week, I would walk home and I would stop at the pet vendor and i'd spend anywhere from like a half hour to sometimes three hours a day at the pet vendor and just kind of knew the you know got friends with the the people that worked there and and even the owner was always pretty cool with me and um finally uh there was an opening uh to take care of i was like you know just under i wasn't even 15 i was like 14 and a half years old and they brought me on to care for the reptiles and um and again, I didn't, I wasn't, obviously at 14, I'm not an expert on reptiles by any stretch. So then they were teaching me, basically all I was doing was just cleaning cages, right? You know, every day you had to clean the cages and water them and stuff like that. And they had a pretty high standard, you know, for, for care because every single day, every single cage had to be cleaned, which was pretty awesome for a pet shop. And, um, and I learned a lot about reptiles over the, really, I worked there for like five and a half years four four and a half five years uh between that one and then we actually opened up a second shop that i i was actually the manager of but it was the same type of deal and um during that time uh a guy named mark bell who runs a company now that's called reptile industries down in north naples uh and supplies all the pet supplies plus and a good majority of pet smart not to mention tons of mom and pop shops as a matter of fact Mark and Kim Bell at Reptile Industries really is the the largest reptile company in the world, uh, wow. it, which, which is interesting because most people have never even heard of them. Yeah, right? yeah, I've heard and,
1: of Bell and stuff through their morphs, but like, yeah, that's yeah. crazy.
0: Yeah, like the Bell albino and yeah, leopard yeah. Echoes was came from Mark and Kim Bell, but uh, uh, but but they they have a, a unbelievably massive collection, but it's completely closed. Like no one's allowed there. You can never go video it. You can never go take pictures. They don't allow you to visit. Wow. Uh, they're very yeah, very crazy. closed off. But what happened was they they, they were actually from this area uh, here up in Michigan and, and Mark used to supply the pet vendor. He was, he literally worked as a gas line x-ray technician. Um, <laughs> and that's what so his random, job, that's what yeah. his job was, you know? And on the side, he bred snakes and mice and rats. So, so we'd buy mice and rats from Mark and Kim and we'd buy the occasional snake sometimes, you know, mainly it was like corn snakes and, you know, obviously it was way before the ball python trade. And, uh, We, uh, yeah, we just, you know, you know, so I got to kind of know Mark and at the time he just had a basement full of snakes, maybe 200 snakes, again, almost all colubrids a few pythons and boas, but mainly all colubrids and, and, um, uh, so I got to know him through the pet shop and ultimately he invited me over to his house one day and uh, I saw his snakes there, and we just kind of started to, you know, over the course of a year or two, became friends, and I started buying snakes directly from him rather than from the pet shop, right, you know, and um, and, and it was mainly corn snakes, king snakes, stuff like that, because he was mainly that way, but that was in the very beginning when albino Burmese pythons were just about coming on the thing. Now, this is fast forward to, to when I was 16, almost 17 years old. By this time, I had A couple hundred snakes in my mom's basement and, and I had been breeding some things. And as a matter of fact, the first, it's interesting. The first snakes I ever bred were actually a pair of corn snakes from the pet vendor. So the pet vendor, yeah, the pet vendor, some people came in and and brought a pair of adult corn snakes. And I convinced the owner (laughs) of the pet shop to, to sell them to me, you know, he was going to sell them and I go, can I, can I buy these? And, and, um, and I'll never forget. I was so, you know, obviously you brumate colubrids in order to, 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 to produce. And, uh, I, I, so I suck them in this little cellar area in my mom's basement that, that was about, you know, 55, 60 degrees yeah, yeah. Un- under the stairs. And, uh, usually we brewmate for about three months. I was so excited about this. I brewmated them for 12 days. Oh no way. And I was yeah, like, yeah. I, I've got to bring them out of hibernation. <laughs> I've got to bring them out of brumation and we started breeding these things. So I brewmated them for 12 days, uh, started feeding them, Started breeding them and had my first clutch. It was twenty-two eggs. Wow! Uh, my first clutch of eggs ever after a twelve-day brumation, uh, and then we hatched all twenty-two babies. Uh, I sold, I think, about eighteen of them back to Matt at the pet vendor for ten bucks a piece. And then I kept like two pair to, to raise up uh, just, you know, because of nostalgia or whatever the case is. You were so. probably freaking out too, man. Oh I my gosh, I'll never forget the first. I mean, I'll never forget when I got the clutch of eggs. It was like the most incredible feeling I've ever had. And then, of course, you <laughs> know, that 58 days of, of incubation was probably the most painful fifty eight yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, for sure, because you're <laughs> like, come on, please just hatch out, be yeah, fine. And uh, But I remember when the babies hatched out just being like, wow. and that's really what started my career breeding snakes. You know, I mean, that was like the, the, the culmination. I finally bred snakes for the first time. And, 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 and then, like I said, right around that time, uh, albino Burmese pythons came onto the scene and, and, uh, and, and, and that was the first really investment snake, right. And uh, a guy named, uh, Anson Wong, who was a, a, a world renowned smuggler of reptiles wow. over in Southeast Asia, uh, and Tommy Crutchfield, uh, were friends. And, and so Tommy, brought in this albino Burmese python from Anson, ultimately sold it to Bob Clark. Uh, Bob Clark bred it, produced them, and, and, and then they were, all of a sudden, that was the first investment snake. And so Mark, by this time, Mark and Kim had grown from like their basement to now their basement and their garage uh, full of snakes. And, and he had kind of gotten into Burmese pythons and a bunch of other pythons and boas as well. D'Albert's pythons, stuff like that. So his collection was really grown. Still working as a, a, a gas line weld a, a, a x-ray technician. Um, uh, Kim was working full time with snakes at that point uh, just because she was a stay-at-home mom yeah. and all that other stuff. So she was doing that. Mark was, was working uh, his job. But um, Mark got albino Burmese pythons from Bob Clark. <clears throat> they were 1600 bucks a piece and he bought like 40 of them <laughs> uh to resell some. So I'm assuming he got them at a cheaper price because yeah, you know, yeah, he bought like a, yeah, he bought a bunch of them. And uh, I went over and I'll never forget sitting in Mark's living room uh, and, and when the shipment arrived and because and, and he knew I was going to buy a pair for $3,200. And, and again, that was like every dollar I had to my name was, you know, 3200 I, I had wow. like $3,400. Like yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and somehow I convinced my mom to let me take all this money and buy a pair of albino Burmese pythons. So I was super excited. I go over to Mark's house. You know, he, you know, know, unbagging these things they are biting the living shit out of us. I mean, we're both bleeding like crazy. You know, (laughs) I don't really know how to sex snakes, so I'm just holding on to them. Mark is sexing them and setting the males in this pile, females in this pile. And, and they all look pretty much the same, but I remember, you know, again, getting bit a ton because I just kept on looking like, which one am I going to take? Which, which, which albino Burmese am I going to pick for my first albino Burmese? And, uh, at the time I had a giant female named Cleo Burmese Python that I, had acquired that was like a legit like 18 19 foot you know 180 pound female and uh so i'd never bred berms but but i had this big girl as well and uh sure enough i pick out this pair of albino burmese pythons and in the meantime now i went from breeding the one corn snakes to you know producing quite a few corn snakes some solomon island boas i even produced Dumerols boas which was pretty rare back in that time uh i had brazilian rainbow boas i had a whole bunch of stuff but the albino burmese were like going to be like that was the creme de la creme, right? You know, wow. like, you know, wow, I get, get you know, yeah, yeah, this, yeah. this pair of cutting edge albino Burmese pythons. <laughs> and um and, and so sure enough, we we raised those up, myself and Lori. By time that by this time Lori was in the scene now. She was part of my life and and um and, and we bred the male albino to Cleo. Um, and then we bred the albino's together. And and what's interesting is I only saw a copulation one time. Now that male bred Cleo probably Fifteen times. Wow. And uh okay. and, and, and kept putting them in with the albino female. Kept on putting him in with the albino female. Nothing, 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 nothing. And then finally, uh I saw one copulation at like two o'clock in the morning. I just go down there. You no, know, I my bedroom was downstairs. So I used to, you know, wake up in the middle of the night with the flashlight and go in there and look and look and look. Try to see if yeah. they were catch him up in, yeah. and in the air. Finally I see him hooked up one time. Um, sure enough she ovulates. She laid twenty-two eggs that year. Cleo laid fifty-eight eggs, I believe it was, that were all heterozygous. And um and and but what was funny when I was pulling the eggs from the female albino, which weirdly enough I never named, which is weird, you know, it, it is weird, right? That like for a big part of my career yeah. nothing was like hardly nothing was named at all you yeah. know like I mean a few out of the thousands of animals I had you know just a couple were, were actually named Um ones that probably meant a little bit more yeah, maybe it, it was your first of a specific yeah, snake or something exactly. yeah exactly but most of my stuff I wouldn't name now it's like almost everything I name you know
1: I mean, yeah, almost yeah. every time and I, I love them, that man, too I'm it I'm gives man. you a, such a cool connection to the animal that, I think so yeah I do too
0: I think so before we go on to uh, uh the, the re- remainder of this story because I got to tell you that let's hit the super chats because i want you guys to be a part of this kind of inaugural solo bar check podcast and uh we'll see if we continue to want to do this uh going forward
1: hell yeah and i got one for you after all these two so max said uh so grateful uh for this content and community life-changing
0: Thanks, Mac. And I appreciate, we appreciate you. I mean, obviously you're a big part of things here. Uh, modding up things, keeping people under control. I'm giving sure. us didgeridoos. You know, yeah, giving us didges. Dude, you know we I mean? think about you every day, bro. Yeah, yeah, we didge every day, and it's because of you, Mac. So thank you so much, brother.
1: Uh, Laura said, I haven't seen Diddy and Dixie lately. Are they okay? Uh,
0: I'm sorry, man. We let them loose. <laughs> we let them loose, uh, yeah. No, no, they're gone now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Diddy and Dixie, I just had them out today at a tour, and, and they're doing fantastic. I was actually a little bit surprised at how... Uh, like a lively they are because the cage they're in cools off during yep. the winter. Cause it's in the front window. I mean, we have heating elements in there and big power sun bulbs. But It's obviously like twice that. as hot, but, but yeah, yeah. But I think, mean, it's yeah. yeah. During the summer, they're getting the summer heat and they're on fire and they're just like fired up during the winter. They slow down, but I was surprised at how, like, I mean, they came out, they climbed up my leg, you know, did dixie did the old you know climb up and take a super room out of my we'll mouth we'll have
1: to do the vlog piece maybe this week on, on yeah dixie. And,
0: and the thing is guys you know uh like when you don't see an animal for a week or two or even three it doesn't mean anything happened to him you know what i mean it just means that we just haven't got him in the vlog it's not know? a story and or um something, yeah, yeah i mean if, if something were to happen with Diddy and Dixie, I would certainly tell you guys. I mean, those are very, you know, they're big parts of our Lots, our, our yeah. stuff. And, and and but no, 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 they're doing fantastic. I know someone asked. You know, I think in the last few days, I've had a bunch of people like, "Where's Aries? Where's this? Where's that?" And um, we just got back yeah. from a big trips
1: too, so yeah, like it takes slowly, a bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're
0: slowly getting back in the rhythm. But no, they're they're doing fantastic, and and uh, we'll we'll get them in the vlog for you.
1: Uh, Amanda says, thoughts on dragon snakes and would you ever try to have them at the Reptarium? They are sick, yeah. dude.
0: They're beautiful snakes. I mean, they're one of the most amazing snakes. I remember when they were first found. I remember when they, they literally found them back in the wild. I, I don't know if they thought they were extinct or they just hadn't been found for years and years and years, but uh, I remember it, it wasn't that <sighs> many years ago that they re- rediscovered them. Yeah. Um, They do terrible. They, they absolutely, it, this is the thing, Amanda, is that Legitimately, okay, it's, it's a very tough topic, but I'm going to try to to to, to tell gate. you what it is. Yeah. If I buy a dragon snake, I am supporting collectors getting that dragon snake, knowing 99.999% of them will die in captivity. Yeah. And so, on one hand. It's going to be amazing when someone finally breeds dragon snakes and gets captive bred, much like mandarina, right? Mandarin rat snakes. Uh, 99% of the wild mandarin rat snakes die, period.
1: 99%. Sunbeams, Philippine sunbeams. Yeah, Yeah, so many
0: of them. But when you breed captive mandarins, they're like corn snakes. So Mm. it's like in a way you don't want to like say, don't import Mandarin rat snakes, because if they wouldn't have imported them, we wouldn't have captive bred them and they wouldn't be amazing. The same goes for dragon snakes. One day someone's going to produce dragon snakes that came from the wild. And then hopefully there won't be any more demand for wild ones and they can stop collecting them that just end up dying. And we can buy captive bred dragon snakes. That do well. Uh, But I, I, everything I've heard about them is just a nightmare. I mean, a freaking nightmare. So um, not to mention on top of all of that, they're horrible display animals because they hide in moss all the time. So uh, so we will definitely never have them on display at the the, the Reptarium until someone captive breeds them um, and we can get captive babies, which may or may never happen, but, but absolutely wonderful snakes. Amanda, uh, I, I hope someone one day can have some success with them cause they are definitely cool.
1: Yeah, me too. Um, and then Matthew said, have you given any thoughts to having Joe Rogan as a guest or has he ever reached out uh, to you? That would be incredible. <laughs>
0: wow. That'd be amazing. It would um, be great. <laughs> so, uh, I, 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 have tried to get on Rogan a number of times. A good friend of mine, may uh, not a good a, a friend of mine named Matt Staggs was the booker for Joe Rogan for most of up until recently. Uh, so we had communication with Joe on a number of occasions. As a matter of fact, I was on Matt Staggs podcast and again, Matt Staggs was the guy that booked all of the guests for Joe Rogan and and Matt on a number of occasions talked to Joe about having me on before Joe blew up and became, you know, the biggest name in podcasting. He was still doing very well, but uh, I was just a fan of Joe Rogan. I was a fan of everything that he had done and he wasn't getting, I mean, he might get a hundred thousand views on a video or something like that back when we were trying to get on his show. And, and he just, you know, he just wasn't interested quite frankly. I mean, he said that he, he didn't really like reptiles. He was afraid. I don't know if they didn't like him. He said he was afraid of reptiles, so he really didn't think that it, it made sense for him to have a reptile guy on. Now, interestingly enough, he ended up having Forrest Galante on, I think twice, who's an Animal Planet guy. Not necessarily a reptile guy, but an animal guy who Forrest is a guy who I also know, uh, I'm friends with, and uh, is a very good guy, really nice person. He, he's uh, got a show called Extinct or Alive on Animal Planet, and I've known Forrest for probably, I don't know, maybe, eight, nine years, something like that. Um, but uh uh Joe would never come on my podcast. I, I shouldn't say never come on my podcast, but I don't think Joe has any reason to come on my podcast. I think he's pretty much owning the podcast world. I'm not I won't give up on it. Again, Matt Staggs is no longer the booker for Joe Rogan. I don't know who is. Uh but one day, you know, things things happen. You know what I mean? Our, I, so I've met Joe a number of times uh, by the way, a wonderful human being, really uh, an amazing human being, really k- kind, you know, took the time every time I met him, took the time, uh, to, to make me feel real special. So I have nothing but mad respect for not only his intelligence, his podcast, but also him as a person because of my personal interactions with Joe. So, uh, I would love to one day be able to interact with him on some level. Uh, again, uh, we'll, we'll you know, and again, I never say never. So, uh, we'll, we'll just keep on plugging away.
1: Amber says, uh, hello, Brian. Thank you for all the vlogs
0: and podcasts. They make my days. Well, thank you. I appreciate you too. And all your guys' support means the world to me again. Without you guys, uh, I couldn't do the things that I want to do. And through this podcast today, uh, obviously, I'll be taking Super Chats. But also, I want to talk about that journey. you know, And maybe it'll inspire some of you guys. And and if I do more solo podcasts, uh, I want not only to talk about uh, my philosophy on business and life, but all things, you know, I mean, like how you can better yourself, um, as, as a business person as, uh, um, you know, maybe, you know, your mental health, physical health, so on like that. I mean, you know, these are things I'm really passionate about. I would say if I were going to quantify my passion in life, you know, I mean, I have a lot of interest in life, but my, my main interests are obviously animals, reptiles being the biggest, you know, part of that um business and physical and mental health those are those are like my my top things and fa- of course you know in that is family and friends and, but like you know, uh, outside but, of that, but yeah, yeah i mean yeah. that that you know i mean I, mental and physical health is attached to family and friends and, and 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 your support staff and so i'll talk a lot about that type of stuff Uh, so hopefully you guys will get something out of this. Maybe you'll love these types of podcasts and you want me to do more, just me talking. Uh, maybe you're going to want me to have, let me back up for a second. I'm going to be a little bit erratic here, but that's that's what my mind thinks is that, you know, this podcast is, is, is kind of analogous to Joe Rogan, the way Joe Rogan does his podcast. Obviously you're always going to want to emulate who's doing it the best. And Joe is the best at this time. Not necessarily the best podcast, but certainly achieving the most in, in this podcast. I think he's certainly one of the best podcasts, if not the best. But but my point is, is that, you know, Joe has this through story that he's, you know, either boxing, MMA, uh, and, 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 of course, comedy. And I look at this podcast, or, or what I envision this podcast to be, is the same thing. And what I mean by that is that not every Joe Rogan podcast is about MMA, boxing, or comedy, but that's still his through story. And to me, that's the same thing that I want to do with this podcast is the through story being animals, reptiles, and the things I'm passionate about. Uh, but that doesn't mean that that's all we're going to talk about. We're going to have, again, we had Wes on the comic guy. We had, you know, the NFL retired, you know, Super Bowl winner on, uh, I I definitely, you know, have some people lined up for like cryptozoology. We've got Justin Adishu, who is a, a great YouTuber slash, um, uh, editor uh, and, and videographer. Um, I've got a lot of their, other YouTube friends that I'm going to be bringing on that have nothing to do with animals, but, but, uh, but if you guys enjoy the animal side of things and just want to talk about animals, this may be the way to do it. Just yeah. to have maybe a separate podcast that is just me and Jay jabbering about reptiles, answering your questions and coming up with the whole thing. So uh, yeah, let's these know. last couple of super chats and then I'm going to get back to the albino Burmese story.
1: All right. We got Uh, Tom Murphy says, Brian, I bought three sets of ball pythons from you last year. They're 2019. Uh, when can I start to breed them as far as age wise? It goes by weight, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. Mainly
0: weight, a little bit of age. Uh, uh, first off, thank you for the business. Uh, so so typically a male could breed at 450 to 500 grams at about six to eight months old. I like to wait a year and a half, get them a good six to 700 grams. I don't like my males to be much more than eight, 900 grams because I think they get a little lazy. So, seven to 800 grams a year and a half old is a really good range. Females, you can't breed at a year and a half old if they hit 1500 grams. But again, I like to wait two and a half years, get them a solid 17, 18, Two thousand grams, something on that lines. I think that longevity-wise, your females that are waiting an extra year, that are a little bit bigger, are going to be better breeders long term, right? Wow. So, so essentially, if you breed a female too young, a lot of times she gets locked into a small. Uh, I'll give you an example. I have a champagne ball python. You might remember Jay. I we produce a champagne head ghost. Uh, female this year. And I had said when we pulled a clutch that she hadn't produced in like five years. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I do remember right.
0: that. So the reason was, is she was 18 months old and like 1400 grams when she laid an eggs and mm. then didn't laid eggs for five more years. Wow. If I would have waited one more year, she would have probably laid eggs every year. And right now she's finally getting to the point where she's probably 2000 grams. But from the first year I bred her at 1400 grams, until really last year, she only gained maybe 15, she was at 15 1,600 grants because I think that 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 cycle, you, you lock her in at that first cycle. Now, some females won't do that, but my opinion is wait two and a half years. It's worth the wait. Be patient. And that's something I'm going to talk about in my notes here as we're going on about being patient about things because in business in general, uh, patience uh, is much more important than people give it credit for. So a lot of times people think you need to chase, you need to run after things. Oh my God, if I don't do it this year, I'm going to be too late. I am, I've learned over the last 30 something years of being in business that you let business come to you. You know, as soon as, you know, as soon as you feel like you, you're going to lose, if something doesn't happen, uh, that's when you're probably making bad decisions.
1: You know, it's almost like you're forced into it. Don't force anything. Let it come to you. Um, Cameron said, I know you had trouble with leaks. I'm in the HVAC industry and new Calgon, uh, four, two, nine, six 51 dash five, one leaks sealer spray works, makes Flex Seal look like a glue stick. Wow. Can you, uh, can yeah.
0: you send me an email on that dude? I'd love to hear about that product because, uh, and, and by the way, we, we, uh, oh my God, <laughs> knock on very, very 200 uh, year old cherry wood. <laughs> well, um, fancy. Uh, subtle flex. It, it looks like. Uh, Lori fixed the leak. It looks like Lori fixed the leak. So, uh, but, but I still would like that stuff because I guarantee I'm going to have more leaks down the road. (laughs) So, uh, and and that sounds amazing, but it wasn't, I don't think it was as much about Flexio working or not working. It's just finding the leak. Yeah. That was like where it is. And so Lori spent like two and a half, three hours, literally painstakingly, uh, going through every single place she thought there could be a slight leak. And, and sealing it up, you know, with M1, uh, which is like a silicone sealant. And, um, and now it's been three days running and we have no water on the ground. So, uh, you know, I, I'm optimistic about, uh, cautiously optimistic, I should say, <laughs> uh, that we may have actually finally fixed that leak. But, but again, send me an email because I'm sure that I'll need that stuff at some point.
1: Uh, Amanda says, I love azanthic, especially when combined with pied or clown or yeah. bamboo. Azanthic pied is my number one favorite. Mm-hmm. What morph combos, in your opinion, makes the best black and white snakes or black, white, and gray?
0: Oh, gosh. I tell you what, you know, um, there's that JD constriction. If you haven't, don't yeah. follow him online. He's got great azanthics. Um, a lot of his, like, you know, spider stuff, like azanthic Killer bees are freaking awesome. Um I think that they seem to be anything that has a lot of white in it. You know, calico, spider, pied. You know, the white yeah. contrasts really well. Like I think like azanthic clowns are amazing as babies, but are kind of not that pretty a when dull. They get, Yeah, they kind of dull out and don't look so good because they don't have the contrast. You got to remember azanthic looks great as a baby, but it does increase brown as it gets older that a mm. starts to come through causing the the black to turn brown. So if you don't have something that wildly contrasts that brown, it starts to get really muddy, and it doesn't really look that interesting. So axanthic's a weird one, right? I love Azanthic stuff, but it is weird. A lot of combinations you do with Azanthics turn out to not look very interesting when they get older. So as babies, they're amazing. And I remember Mark Mandic uh, from Marcus Jane Ball Pythons once said that you know, he was interested in producing snakes that got better with age, not worse with age. Love that. That's and, awesome. and, and a lot of ball pythons reach their peak beauty at about three to five hundred grams and then start going downhill after that. So, um, so that's something to think about with azanthics is because typically they do get uglier
1: as they get older. Um, Stephanie said, Jay, do you keep snakes? And I do. I have, uh, like five ball pythons. I have a tree, Amazon tree boa, uh, Peruvian red tail boa and, a carpet python a Darwin's carpet python nice eclectic collection yeah, yeah that's it that's it for right now and then uh, David just threw $14 just for love oh, thanks dude.
0: David I appreciate you guys and thank you guys for all the super chats let's jump in we'll jump back into yeah, some super chats in a little bit I do want to finish up this albino Burmese thing and start getting into some other topics but we will catch your super chats I promise you uh, you guys are going to help us uh, get through this uh, this solo event and again like I said <laughs> let me know if you guys like this if it's something that you're interested in me doing I, I don't know if we'd add it another night or if we I don't know what we're doing we're still trying to figure out the podcast thing so anyways uh, female albino Burmese python lays 22 eggs and I'll never forget I was flipping out, you know, I mean, I was legitimately oh, I flipping out. I go in there, I, I saw her starting to lay one or two eggs at night, right? And, and so I could barely sleep all night, but I didn't want to, you know, you know, because one of the things that happens with all snakes, and I see people, I see a lot of people on Instagram making this mistake, and I'm telling you, it is going to bite you in your ass if you keep doing this. Is like taking Instagram pictures and, and videos of snakes laying eggs. You have to be super careful. If you do it, and you can't do it, because we did some of it this year too, You have to just be super slow and not disturb. Some snakes will go into like a trance-like system. If they're in that trance, they don't care. But if, if you open that cage and they twitch that can literally stop them from laying eggs and they get egg bound. And a lot of Burmese pythons were very notorious for egg binding uh, because they have so many eggs. You know, They're gonna have 20, 30, 40, 50, even up to 100 eggs. Wow. So a lot of things can go wrong. Oviduct twists, oviduct folds, they can have tears in oviducts, all kinds of different things can happen. So when I bred Burmese, which I did for probably about 10 years solid, I would say about 10% of my females would get egg bound. I'd either have to have surgery or I'd have to do some sort of thing. Sometimes they would just, you know, pass on their own. Sometimes, uh, you would use a, a, a medication called oxytocin and, uh, and, and it's, uh, it helps them move eggs. So, but if you have a tear or a fold or a twist that oxytocin doesn't help, you know, um, so uh, so, anyways, point is is that I was nervous. I hardly slept that night, but I didn't want to keep going back and checking on this girl. And uh, uh, so finally in the morning, I get up, I get in there. Sure enough, she's done. She's coiled around this beautiful clutch of eggs. I, I like go to peak, you know, I pull her off. She's, she, again, 22 eggs, not a big girl, 18 months old. She's maybe 10 foot, you know, but, but like Sunrise's size. Almost yeah, yeah, identical yeah. to Sunrise. And so I'm just so focused on these eggs and just the elation. Because again, you got to remember, I'm now an 18 year old kid. This is a clutch of eggs that's probably worth Worth, you know, $30,000. And, and I literally not even paying attention to the snake. I'm just looking at the eggs. She fucking rails my hand. I mean, rails my hand. Not fun. I mean, just crushes me <laughs> to the point where literally my knuckle on my first index finger could not bend properly for about a year. <laughs> because, because she literally slid it, and I think, I don't know if a tooth got caught in there, but literally for a year, it did not heal properly. Whoa. And, and when I would bend my finger, it would hurt. Damn. But anyways, pulled 22 eggs, hatched 22 babies. There was one baby. Again, something that happened with albino Burmese pythons, very notorious, was eye issues. You know, one eye, yeah, no yeah, eye, yeah. stuff like that. Not not like huge, but every clutch you would have albinos, you'd have one or two that had no eyes or one eye. So we did hatch one one-eyed uh, albino and 21 beautifully perfect babies. Uh, they sold for $1,250 a piece that year. I also, uh, again, had 58 eggs from uh, Cleo uh, and, and I think I hatched about 52 babies, something like that. And hats were selling for about 800 bucks a pair. So wow. yeah, you could imagine between the head albinos yeah. and the albinos. And then we produce a bunch of corns and Kings and milks that year. We, you know, we, we, I think we net profited at about 40 to $50,000 that year when I was 18 years old. Now and that's huge for somebody. It was 18. huge, huge, yeah, huge at 18 crazy. years old. I mean, you know, not, Unheard doing, of not almost. selling drugs, you know? Yeah. 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 And so, um, that was really what started BHB. You know, that year, uh, I, I, I filed as an LLC, um, and, and and that was from that day, you know, that was 1989. Uh, BHB was officially a business. You know, now it's a C corp, but at the time it was an LLC. And um and that was what started it. And ironically enough, albino Burmese pythons were the thing that really got the whole thing rolling with 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 uh, reptile breeding, right? Because for the first time, people were able to make that kind of money. Because prior to that, you might make a few bucks. But for the most part, you were trading. You were trading this snow corn for this striped corn, or you were yeah. trading this for that, or you were selling this and then buying that, and no one was really making money. Uh, all of a sudden, now people were had the ability to, to make huge bucks, you know, or not huge bucks, but but decent money. And I guess
1: too, because not only that, the the snake is beautiful and it's a new morph, but it's laying a lot of eggs probably helps. Right. And
0: and what was interesting, much like the ball pythons, you know, people that, and I'm going to talk about ball pythons in a little bit and how that whole thing, but much like the ball pythons where people that hated ball pythons all of a sudden sold off all their snakes to breed ball pythons because that was where the money was. The same thing happened with Burmese pythons. Pretty much every reptile breeder, hobbyist slash now new career breeder, bred Burmese pythons. I mean, like Burmese pythons were the ball Python of the late nineties and early 1990s, um, uh, late eighties and early nineties, which is crazy to me to think that there's this whole hobby that was built on 18 foot snakes. I mean, think about that. I mean, that, that was the whole thing. People were (laughs) buying 18 foot snakes. Like now we buy ball pythons. So, um, and, and and again, you know, after albinos came patternless green Burmese and, and then labyrinth Burmese and granite Burmese and, and, uh, hypo Burmese and all these other things came down the road, the road that just kept adding to the allure of, again, it was the first kind of franchise of reptiles, right. Was, was Burmese pythons. And, um, and, and then back then ball pythons were considered garbage. I mean, completely considered garbage animals. My second snake I ever had was a ball python named Axel. And, uh, yes, Guns N' Roses was just out. <laughs> yes. And, uh, that's why it was named Axel. Hell it, yeah. It, it literally, the first Guns N' Roses album came, dropped and, and I love Guns N' Roses. So I named it Axel after uh, Axel Rose, obviously. That'll shit. Uh, but I love ball pythons. Unfortunately, it was a wild cod. It died, uh, after a couple years of me having it never ate once for me, not even one time. We for- force fed it a bunch, but, um, it eventually died and. But I always loved ball pythons, and 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 actually, shortly after Axel passed away, I had the opportunity to buy my first captive baby normal ball python, and I did, and I had that snake for over twenty years, uh, uh, just a normal male, <laughs> normal so male. Cool, I had it over twenty years, twenty, I think it was like twenty four years, and um, but I was always into ball pythons, so so you know as time was progressing and my collection of Burmese was growing and my collection of corns and Kings and milks was growing and all this other stuff. I wanted to, uh, you know, get into ball pythons cause I liked them. So I was raising up a bunch of normal ball pythons. There were no mutations at all at the time. And, uh, and, and then when mutations started to trickle into the country, uh, myself, Kevin McCurley at nerd and Tracy Barker at VPI were basically the only three people in the country that were buying, mutation ball pythons, unless it was an albino, which Bob Clark had bought, uh, and pied that, that actually a guy named Brian Sharp was, was buying Ernie Wagner was another guy that bought some pies or an a pied. And then, uh, Pete call, obviously who proved pieds to be genetic, uh, was the only other person. So besides pies and albinos, basically no one else wanted ball pythons, but myself, Kevin McCurley and, um, and Tracy Barker. Barker. And, and, and so I was buying up These ball pythons, as they were coming in from Africa, uh, ghost ball pythons, striped ball pythons, you know, whatever, any kind of mutation that we could find. I bought, you know, one of the first clown ball pythons at the time, uh, a bunch of different animals. But I remember, like, some of these breeders were were making fun of me. I was still, you got to remember, most of the breeders at that time were older breeders right you know they were they were the the older crowd and i was like this younger guy was still in my late teens early 20s during this time and 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 i already wasn't being really taken very serious and that's one of the reasons why i talk you know jay i've talked to you about this like when young kids come in even 15 years old that are really passionate i give them the same amount of respect as i would someone that's 35 and been breeding snakes for 20 years. Absolutely. Because I think it's important that that 15-year-old gets the respect they deserve because they may be the next big name in the ball python world or the corn snake world or or, or not. It doesn't even matter. You still give them the same respect because they're passionate about what they, they do, right? And I was already kind of like the, kind of like, oh, that's that kid that thinks he's going to be a big breeder one day, you know? And, and, um, and so they used to make fun of me about ball pythons, you know, like, oh, you're getting into ball pythons, you know, you're an idiot. And, uh, and I remember Mark Bell, who, who was, by the way, if I, if I were to, um, say, you know, what's the one person that had the biggest impact on me, my mentor, my, uh, uh, the guy that I looked at as, as the guy that I wanted to emulate. It would have been Mark Bell, and 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 still to this day, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Mark. That's awesome. Uh, we don't stay, you know, I don't talk to him hardly ever, and, and our past have certainly went in completely different, opposite directions. But but um uh, but Mark was a, a huge part of my life when I was growing, and without him, uh, I wouldn't have. I would probably never have bred snakes, quite frankly, you know, so I, I mean, at least not as a profession for so many years. So, so, um, but, uh, but I remember Mark was making fun of me about ball pythons, <laughs> You know, <what> I'm saying? <laughs> saying that I, you know, oh yeah, you go have fun with your ball pythons, little kid type of thing. Wow. And, and, but I will say this, I remember when the ball python industry finally started to pop and basically what happened was, uh, First, the albinos came out with Bob Clark, a guy named Jamie Quick was the first one that bought them down in Florida, uh, and then he started producing them. A few other people were starting to produce albinos. Then Pete Call produced the pies. They were twenty five thousand dollars a piece. People were standing in line to pay twenty five grand. All of a sudden, now the Burmese had died down, and ball pythons were starting to take the Burmese's spot, right as as the king of of investment ball python or investment snakes. And I do remember, and I give Mark a lot of credit for this. Now, fast forward three, four years, and Mark, uh, uh, we were at a show out in Baltimore, Maryland, and and it was the end of the day. Everyone's packing up to go uh, back to their hotels and whatnot. And I remember Mark uh, saying, Uh, and, and he's much like me, Mark, like people that don't know me know I have like an insane memory. Like, I mean, it's really a haunting memory. I I remember everything that everyone ever tells me. And, um, and, and, and Mark is very much the same way. And I remember Mark just out of nowhere saying, uh, Hey Brian, remember when I said, uh, (laughs) you were, uh, an idiot for keeping ball pythons. And I said, Oh yeah, I remember that very well. As a matter of fact, Mark. And he said, uh, he goes, boy, did I miss the boat on that one? Wow. <laughs> and, uh, and so that kind of gave me a lot of vindication cause it was at That's that was show say. that Ralph Davis was at that show myself, Kevin McCurley, and we were crushing it with ball python sales <laughs> and, 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 and Mark was like behind the, now Mark ended up building an amazing ball python collection and made a ton of money on ball pythons. I think he still does them. I don't think he's as involved, as he w- once was, but, um, uh, but, but nevertheless, it was kind of a, a cool vindication to, to have one of your mentors admit that, uh, that you did something right. But, but what I always have said is it wasn't that I was some great prognosticator, uh, of the future for ball pythons. It was the fact that I just loved ball pythons. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? They're I just love, yeah. I, I bought them when no one wanted them. So I didn't think like, oh, I was buying them as an investment. I bought them because I love them. I, I I just was in love with that animal, and um, and I was just fortunate to be on the very front end of the ball python revolution. And then, of course, you know, for you know, fifteen twenty years, you know, we were on, on the top of that world. You know,
1: it's funny. Uh, I actually have a friend, and it's it's not the same, but it's kind of uh, you know synonymous where. He was buying like Bitcoin like way before and like Bitcoin was ever big, mm-hmm. and then he, I mean he's a millionaire now. He like moved out to some big cabin in Colorado because mm, yeah. he just happened to have a bunch when it popped. You know what I mean? And, yeah, and that's
0: the thing. Sometimes you're just in the right place at the right time. Right. You know, and and um, but but you know I I made a lot of mistakes during that time of my life too. And what I mean, not mistakes as far as like you know, bad judgments is, you know, with, with drugs or alcohol or anything like that. What it was is I just, I spent too much money on reptiles, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) like no matter how much money I made, I spent all of it and more like I, I, I couldn't, I, I was a pretty bad businessman is what it is. And that's another thing, again, I'm passionate about now and I'll talk about during these podcasts that are solo is, uh, you know, just business. Um, I think that, um, and i was recently on mj's uh, podcast with ozzy boyds and and justin cabellica and and uh, I, I posed this question to him and and I, uh, to them and, and and justin didn't answer but ozzy did and i said i you know i've been doing this since i was you know 17 years old and 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 it's a long time and uh, i said can you name one person that bred reptiles exclusively, like nothing else. All you did was breed reptiles and became rich. Not that getting rich is the goal necessarily, but why not, right? Like I always hate when people say like, oh, you're just about the money. Because my attitude is... There's nothing wrong. Don't be embarrassed to make money. Especially don't be embarrassed to make money off something you love. Hell that no. is the dream. It's the opposite of it's that. It's the dream. Yeah. If you can do what you love and make money, you're you're doing it right. You know what I mean? And so my question was, is name one breeder that has gotten rich just breeding snakes. And Ozzy had a great comeback to that. And, and, and I had never really thought about it, but he just said, But that's, that's that way in every business, you know, very few people get rich doing one thing, Hmm. you know, they typically use that one thing to build into real estate investments, stocks, investments, you know, what other, other investments. And that's where really true wealth comes from. Um, That is a very fair point. It's a really fair point, you know, because I don't know of anyone that just bred reptiles that became rich on just reptiles. Like Mark Bell became rich because he took reptile money and bought real estate, um, and the list goes on and on Casey, uh, uh, Casey, uh, uh out in Seattle, um, like just completely blanked down his last name. Um, he, you know, he got rich cause he bought stocks, uh, and became a multimillionaire from the a hundred thousand. He invested a hundred. I don't know if I ever told you this story, No. but he, he had a hundred thousand dollars that he had built up from breeding reptiles. And a friend of his was a, a stock guy. This was in the very early days of the internet. And Casey, um, had a, a son that, uh, it, it didn't have, they didn't have a mom. He was a single dad yeah. and, and they lived in a, a, a two bedroom rented house. And so he gained a hundred thousand uh, dollars, through breeding reptiles. He was a mailman by the way. And he, um, he, Yo, was ready to buy a house for his kid, with his kids. So he's like, yeah, I want a house. And this friend of his, was a stockbroker, said, do you really need a house right now? I mean, like right now, do you need a house? And he said, well, no, we're fine renting. He said, but, you know, whatever. And he said, I, I want you to take that $100,000 and I want you to put it into a couple stocks and, and just wait a couple years. So those stocks were uh, Amazon, oh, shit. Google, and Microsoft.
1: Damn, dude. He bought he bought Amazon it.
0: for 20 Four cents a share, and
1: how much is it right now,
0: roughly? Uh three thousand dollars a share. Damn, dude. So, and that's split many times. So, anyways, my point was the last time I was out at Casey's house, which was, uh eight years ago, something, maybe even nine years ago. He had uh, almost thirty million dollars in stocks. Holy shit! From a hundred thousand dollar investment. Um, but that was a lightning in a bottle, you know. But, 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 I guess my point is, is that that's that's what I found with breeding reptiles. You know, so for interestingly enough, every dollar I made bringing in and going out was from reptiles up until about six years ago. So, so all those years for 30, this is my 33rd season breeding season. So for all those years, for 20, you know, six years, let's say I had no other income. It was reptiles, or it was spending reptiles on reptiles. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. that was it, and uh, and and I had great years where we did really well, and I had years that I barely could survive. I mean, to the point where there was sometimes I was massively in debt, and then I would have to have a great year just to get myself out of debt. And I mean, there was times I owed my rodent guy thirty thousand dollars. You know, and wow. and uh, you know, and I always paid him off. That's why he would let me get thirty thousand dollars in debt with him. You know, I yeah, always yeah. came up with the money, and I always paid him off. That goes and quick was, with a big collection. Too. Yeah, 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 it does. You know, I mean, you know, gosh. When I was at the, the the when I was at the peak of my ball python production, which I had seventeen hundred adult females, we were going through Jesus five Christ to six thousand dollars a week.
1: Yeah, so that's in, a month in, in roughly, live rodents. In a little over yeah, a month.
0: so it only took a month to get thirty grand. Yeah. And there were certain times of year where I just wasn't making much income. So I'd be like, hey, dude, you got to float me, man. You got to float me. But I'll be okay once August comes, once Orlando comes. Yeah, yeah. Once, once that one show, I'm going to be good. Yeah. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. But it was a dangerous way to live. You know, so my point is, is about six years ago, weirdly enough, and I've told this story, is that the reptile hobby kind of turned their back on me and, and made me out to be, a bad person. You know, I was, you know, my animals were all sick. They were all dead, dying. They had mites. I was a terrible person. Um, you know, and, and again, you know, 99.9% of what was said about me was a hundred percent. But yeah, most of what was said about me was lies, but, but, but that was okay. You know, it just happened. And, but interestingly enough with that caused me to diversify my life. And and start making other investments and and put my money into other things and and, and move in different directions in my life. And that's when I became successful and financially, I should say financially successful, because success is is something that's, you know, measured in different ways, very different ways. I mean, I think that if you if you came to me and said, Brian, you could. Barely pay your bills, but you're going to be happy, no anxiety, and you're going to have a loving, loving family and friends, or you can be really rich and full of anxiety, and, and and so I would say, fuck the anxiety and the richness, I'll go with this success, but, but my success uh, in the last six years, uh, you know, financially has been good overwhelmingly everything else I do, I love. Uh, the only thing that's caught me this last six or eight months, of course you guys know is anxiety, uh, which I'm getting much, much, much better on. Um, and I'll talk about that as we go on with, with these types of podcasts as well. But, um, but I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happier than I've ever been in my life as far as, uh, my family, my friends, my businesses, uh, my obviously finances, and and just all the things that are in life that are good. But uh, but that was through diversification. So Ozzy had talked about, and and I've been talking with Ozzy a bit more. He's a really interesting person. Of course, this is Ozzy from Ozzy Boys. Um He's really good about like finances, right? And he talks about, and I think this is a very aggressive investment strategy. But he talks about. Uh, and taking 40% of every net dollar you have now, you know, just so you guys don't know the difference gross is what you make, right? Like if you make a hundred grand, you've grossed a hundred grand, you take all of your expenses away and then you net whatever you net. Right. So one of the things I always talk about is like when someone tells me they make a hundred grand, I, I always say, did you make a hundred grand or did you gross a hundred grand? And a lot of times they'll be like, well, no, I grossed a hundred grand. And I'll go, well, what did you make? What did you put in the bank at the end of that hundred grand? And if it's five grand, you didn't do very you well. Made in life. Yeah, you made five grand. Yeah. You didn't make a hundred grand. So it's all about what you can net, not what you, you can gross, you know, BHB used to gross $3 million a year, but my net was garbage. Now I, I, I make considerably less gross, but I net higher than I've ever netted, you know? Uh, so, so that's important, you know, this thing. So, so I think a lot of economists or or financial advisors will tell you to take about 10% of your net and invest into tangible investments not reptiles, not racks, not, uh, you know, whatever, you know, into things that the bank would look at as assets, real estate, you know, vehicles, uh, and again, vehicles can be a terrible investment too, but, but you know, it's still a value that a bank will give you a loan on. Yeah, yeah Um, yeah. Ozzy actually said he takes 40%. He's smart, but it's hard. Money. Yeah. It's yeah. hard. If you can, if you could do 40%, you're doing good. Um, so anyways, the point is, is that, um, I, I think that's important in business too, is that, you know, you build, you know, in the beginning you may have to be pretty aggressive about investing, uh, into your business to grow it, you know? Cause I mean, the one thing you don't want to do is take too much profit out of your business because it starves your business. Right. Um, and, and the last thing you want to do is be going on vacation and, and starve your business, you know? Right. So, uh, so be smart with that. But, but once you get to a point where you're actually making money, uh, it's important to diversify, you know, I mean, we have seven income streams in our business, our life, and I'd like to add one or two more streams in the next year or two that are, uh, uh are passive, passive streams of money that don't cause. So now a lot of my income streams are, uh, uh,
1: don't cause work. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Cause that's the got, big thing, yeah. right? You can't have seven businesses that you have to put you know full time and energy and there's not enough time in the day yeah i mean we basically
0: yeah do you know obviously youtube bhb and and reptarium take up a lot of time brain space yeah, Yeah, and and then the other businesses run their cell for our investments that other people run and so on like that so anyways let's hit a couple more super chats we'll get into some more reptile talk on the flip side i'm sure i'll be answering some of this stuff in super chats too
1: uh, Alex says, hey, Brian, when are you going to do Legends of Reptile keeping series as a, like for the podcast? I think that would be very interesting to learn yeah. in the history of the hobby.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's uh, something that I, I wanted to do on snake bites originally or animal bites. Um, obviously, COVID, you know, put a, put a damper on that because uh, the Legends of Reptiles are all going to be older people. And, and right now, older people really don't feel like being around other people yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. for this. But I, I promise you. That is going to be something that happened. I've already talked to Tommy Crutchfield, um, and he, his name comes up a lot on this podcast. Dude, I, I think weird, it'll be right? such a
1: fucking funny yeah. podcast, though. Yeah. Like, Yeah, be... he's
0: already said he'd love to come up. You know, he, he hates cold weather, so we'll probably have to wait till the spring. <laughs> uh, and then by the spring, I think life will be a lot better you know, it'd be easier yeah. to get
1: guessing it's it is kind yeah. of hard right now yeah she gets a different animal but but I would
0: love to bring the legends of reptiles into this uh this this podcast might be that might be I a think for what, thing, what you're yeah.
1: what we're doing right yeah. now this is the spot yeah this, this is I mean? maybe the spot for the legends of reptiles
0: so uh, I'd love for you guys to know all of the information I know about the legends of reptiles um and the legendary people in the reptile business and then uh I'm sure there's a lot that I would learn Oh, if for I do sure. It as well, so. Um, but I, I'm a I'm a I'm I'm a student of history, not just reptile history, but history as a whole. And uh, it, it's it, the hobby is so much more interesting than most people know. You know, most people don't <laughs> know what happened in the early days. Most people don't know. Yeah. The people, and and I only know what's happened since the 70s because certainly I was too young in the 70s, but by the time I got into it to the late 80s, it was early enough where I heard stories of the last 20 years. You know, Um, know, most people now that are getting into it in the, you know, maybe the, the 2010 to 2020 era, you might be hearing about the late
1: 90s. And it's like much deeper than y'all know too, because I've had the privilege of being on a lot of car rides and just doing trips with you. So like we get into topics like this and uh, it goes deep y'all. Yeah, no. And I think
0: so. Yeah. So yeah, definitely uh, stay tuned. We're going to do that. I've got, I mean, that's a, that's a mission of mine is to get to a point where we can uh, uh, really educate people on, on the past of what happened in this amazing hobby
1: um lisa says hey brian and jay hope you guys are doing great need some um great not so expensive christmas present ideas for girls and guys sending mm. love from far away
0: wow well, oh ho- that's ho ho drogo yeah ho no, ho drogo merch uh, check uh, out the link in the description yeah link in the description <laughs> drogo. not saying that you should but you should but, but it's uh, really cute yeah i love it no uh uh yeah i don't Oof. know man i you know it's funny i'm the worst guy Same, dude. You know, because I don't put a lot of value in material things.
1: Um, Well, I'm the opposite. I'm like, all my shit's like, I need something that's three grand. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I need this new camera lens. Everyone hates, my family hates
0: buying for me because you know they know two things number one i don't really care about many material things and number two if it is something i want i just buy it yeah i know i, I don't like, wait on I, the I, day on yeah, the I'm hour not, yeah. like yeah i mean yeah oh i, I didn't tell Lori. i literally <laughs> was like i was looking online and some stuff and then all of a sudden i came across a foot massager you know these oh, foot massagers dude, I, yeah, and I, yeah. I bought the fucking thing immediately dude, immediately I mean, I mean not even like two minutes after i saw the ad i'm like buying it and that would have been a perfect christmas gift like hey it guys get me yeah was like a hundred it's like a hundred bucks and i mean it was like yeah but i was like oh, i got it no so i don't know what the, you know, so, so the thing that's
1: hard too is that like i don't know how old i'm guessing these are younger people cuz she's saying yeah. but she's saying girls and guys not mm. girls and boys so it mm. could be yeah older i mean i like knives if the guys like knives, I always like it's you know outdoorsy stuff. A good, good knife, I dude, you have a good knife. <laughs> how many times you see me use a knife a day? Quite a bit. I unscrew like stuff with it three times a day. Yeah, dude, I had screw stuff with it, cut stuff. So he,
0: I, I saw him stab a lady next door this morning. Hey, she was a crackhead, and sometimes yeah. it comes in she handy, came bro. In, she said, "You got a cigarette?" He stabbed her. <laughs> yeah, right like, "Get out!" Right in the larynx. Get down the ground.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but good luck. Right, and yeah, good uh, luck, yeah. Check Amazon. They got tons of little gadgets and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Don't get sucked into
0: the China Instagram things though. That what like the Wish thing yeah just shit? whatever oh, you know coming out of china they get all those gifts that you know as we bought a little same neck size as the and, screen yeah yeah we we bought a little neck massager again i seem to good buy a lot of massages <laughs> you do though. have like you got the theragun yeah those things are great dude, that thing's now that sick. thing that's a good that's a good how much deal. was that thing that's like a good... 450 bucks for it's the worth good ones, it but guys, it's it's worth it man uh again health body you know
1: mind is is important to me Uh, Logan says Hey Brian I just got into the ball pythons this year I'm looking to breed my banana ball what's your favorite mix with bananas ooh there's a lot you know it's
0: really tough you know I always tell people that like back in the day when someone said hey what should I breed a clown to or what should I breed this to or what I should breed there was a a relatively limited number of options and it was like hey this is a great idea or that's a great idea now there's a gazillion options (laughs) out there I mean there there really is there's none endless really it's endless I mean if you want a darker animal like a black pesto or a cinnamon test spell, bam, you're there. If you want blackheads there, bam, it's there. If you want to go, you know, more like the Enchi route, bam, it's there. If you want to go champagne because champagne bananas are pretty cool, bam, it's Fires, there. You know, yeah. I, I mean, it goes, it goes forever, you know, and there's no real wrong answers. It's just whatever you want to produce. You know, I always say, you know, breed animals you want to open that drawer every day or open that cage every day and look at, you know, because if you're excited about it. It doesn't matter beyond that, because if you produce a ball python or a corn snake or a leopard gecko or a bearded dragon, if you if you're passionate about and love every part, you're going to sell them. They're going to sell. Yeah, everyone's wanting them right yeah, it now, doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter. So produce what you want to produce. And, um, and and there's no wrong answers. Again, in the past, there were right answers and wrong answers. Now there's not. It's just, it doesn't even matter. So just, you know, pick animals that you're like, that's what I want to go for and then go for it.
1: Yeah. What was that one though, that we looked at the other day? It was, it had the paradox on it. Was it a black pastel banana? That
0: was a, a black pastel banana. So that's breathe those yeah. too. Cause yeah, those those those, yeah. <laughs> there, I do love the black pastel. That they one was a, on fire. Though. That, was, that, was, that was as purple as could be. Yeah. It's really beautiful. I personally, my personal, this is just me personally. Again, you do what you want to do as I like anything that's, dark into banana because the darkness turns purple.
1: Yep. I agree. Yeah. Uh, Red zone reptiles is back. Says this podcast should be awesome. You're a big inspiration, Brian in the hobby and business wise. Burning a J for you, Jay. Appreciate <laughs> you. Well, man. Thanks,
0: man. I appreciate you, man. I really do. And, uh, and, and, you know, listen, um, there's a lot of great people in reptiles and, 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 you know, like I said, rightfully or wrongfully for a, a, a number of years, I was kind of vilified. Like I'm a, a you know, whatever hmm. I want to bring, the knowledge that I've created over the last 30 something years and share that knowledge with people. And, and listen, I, I, I'm, you know, whether it's on my vlog or on the podcast and and obviously when we're doing checking in with the family, we're not talking as much about reptiles. When we're doing, been wondering, maybe we're not talking about reptiles. So this might be a great avenue to talk about those years of experience and try to show people that, uh, number one, I'm not an asshole. Number two, uh, I want to help people. And, and and now I don't have any horse in the race. Right. Because, uh, you know, I don't care about you know, I love breeding reptiles, but I don't care about the money behind it, you know, or I mean? the actual yeah. like, yeah, yeah, community like a, yeah, type yeah, thing. yeah, 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 like, I, yeah. And that's the other thing is like, you know, before I tell you, you know, uh, let's say when I was breeding reptiles for a living and, and that's my sole income. If I did something that pissed somebody off, I would have like, oh my God, now they're going to go tell people not to do business with me. And then BHB isn't going to sell as many animals and I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. I don't give a fuck anymore. You know what I mean? Like literally, if someone's an asshole in the reptile business... I will call them out as an asshole because I know they can't hurt me at all, right? At all. Now, I'm not going to slander anyone. I'm not going to libel anyone. I'm not going to tell you not to do business with anybody, but I have no fear of retribution from the reptile hobby because I no longer pay my bills from the reptile hobby. Um, And that's just the reality. And the nice thing about that means I can be free. I I don't have to sugarcoat anything. I can tell you guys the truth. And I think that hopefully through these podcasts, especially if we do more of these, You'll see the real me and what my intentions are, and 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 hopefully, uh, and I think that it's already happened that overwhelmingly the hatred slash lies that have went around about me have kind of went away because people realized it was all just lies. You know, doesn't mean I'm perfect. God, I'm far from perfect. I make mistakes all the time, but um, but you know, certainly I want people to understand I'm here to help. And really, my only goal in life is to live life, be happy, and make people love these reptiles.
1: Sweet. Uh, Byron says, everyone talks, this is a good question, too. Everyone talks how to breed snakes. Yeah. But no one ever talks about how to start your business selling your snakes. Mm. How do you start yeah. legit sales of snakes? That's a really good yeah. question because listen, I think a lot of people do it online, you know so yeah. like
0: well, that's the thing I, I again this podcast when I look at my ro- notes my roots, my, roots. my my notes here, it has a lot to do with this type of question. so it's a great question and, and listen when, when we started in, in the late 80s, early 90s, it was difficult because it was all about networking on the phone, going to reptile shows getting face-to-face with people. Again, I was a long-haired young kid. It was hard to get people to take me seriously. Um, Now, uh, you know, I say look at the whole host of people, uh, Miguel from always evolving pythons, um, uh, Billy from mutation creation, JP reptiles, uh, uh morph mixology. Uh, I, I mean, you look at all these guys and you, you look at what they've done and what they've done is they've created a value in their social media, right? So their value could maybe be, you know, posting amazing animals, you know, uh, uh, sharing information about how to breed them. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on, but what now it's easier than ever to sell your animals. And by selling them, all you have to do is create an online presence that delivers value for people. And we saw the, the meteor, meteoric rise of some of these guys, you know, Billy and, and JP and Miguel, and the list goes on on Jason and all these other guys, uh, in, in, and, and that could have never happened 20 years ago, never, you know? And, and, and so that's what you need to do. You need to, 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 to brand yourself. You need to create content and and value in what you put out on, on, on the internet. And then people will want to buy and support you because the one thing I've learned, through this entire journey, is that when people feel you're bringing value to their life, whether it's education, entertainment, happiness, uh, uh, positivity, whatever the case is, people want to then support you. And I'm very, very blessed that I have an army of people that support everything we do, whether it's the Reptarium, our swag. Uh, buy Ho Ho Drogo merch, uh, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Logan Paul. <laughs> but, uh, um, so that's what you need to do. And, and, and from a business standpoint, that's, it's easier than ever to do it. You know, be involved, be, uh, uh, but be committed. Uh, you can't, do, the, the one thing on social you can't do and, and I see so many people make this mistake is that they start social or maybe they even have social on Instagram, let's say, and they, they, they don't post for a month and they post 10 times in a day and then they don't post for a month consistency, save those photos, save those photos, stretch them out, be consistent. If you post once a day, once a week, whatever the case is, be consistent, but bring value, bring something why people would want to follow you. And then when they follow you and they think that they're valuable, they're going to then support you. Even if they have to pay a little bit more for your product, because they're like, this person has brought value to my life. I want them to continue on. So keep doing that.
1: Sweet. I got a couple on my phone. So uh, Alyssa says, please keep doing solo podcasts. Love hearing you talk. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Uh, Ball reputation just threw $10 for love. Well, thank you so much, Ball reputation. Uh, Scottish Rob said, hey, Brian, are you looking to do anything on the Michigan house bill? Yeah. HB 6455. Dangerous reptiles bill. Best to you and all you guys.
0: Yeah. So tomorrow's vlog is all about uh, HHR 6455. Um, and, 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 it's just so very quickly, please watch tomorrow's vlog. You'll hear more about it. Uh, it's, a, it's a, 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 bill that is being brought to committee, uh, the committee of agriculture of, of Michigan that would destroy the future of many reptile keepers. Uh, it, it's definitely a bill I'm praying does not make it out of committee. Uh, us arc is involved in it right now, so I'm hoping they are going to, uh, Work hard on this. Um, I'm going to do my best to do my part. Next week, I'm going to do the best I can do to try to set Zoom meetings up with the uh, the uh, representatives on the committee. I would think I would be able to probably get those Zoom meetings, mainly because we have a uh, a a a large uh, you know contribution to the reptile community in Michigan with the re- rept- Reptarium. So I would think that they would probably uh, probably. Uh, Listen to listen to me more than they would some guy that's keeping a venomous Cobra in his his bedroom. Uh, You know, the fact that we have the only reptile zoo in Michigan um, and popular one, I would think that they would at least listen to me. Yeah. And and my past uh, experience because uh, I've been involved with, uh, you know, H.R. 669 and and other other things that were federally, is that most most of the time when you get on the phone with uh, a, a congressman or a senator, uh, whether a state or, or, or federal, uh, they're very level headed people. You know, Now, I think that this uh, uh, Representative Ellison, who is proposing this legislation, um, is very misinformed. I don't know if he's a bad guy. Don't know. have no idea. Don't know what kind of intentions he has. I'm assuming what's happening is that he probably had a special interest group, IEHSUS, PETA, whatever the case may be, that probably threw some money at him to propose this legislation. Uh, What we can hopefully do is kill this in committee because if you kill it in committee, it doesn't go to the house for a vote. Um, And and then much easier to deal with, much easier to deal with seven or eight congressmen as opposed to a a ton of them. So, uh, so yeah, we'll see what happens. And um, it's, it's very, 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 very scary. Um, And not just scary for Michigan. These people, you know, the people that are watching that aren't from Michigan, you may think, ah, it's not my problem. I'm not from Michigan. Trust me. Slippery uh, slope. Slippery slope, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what happens, uh, if you guys don't know, is if Michigan passes a law, typically lots of other states will pass the same law because they go, oh, look what happened in Michigan. Let's go ahead and because it's the same special interest groups that are giving money to all of these congressmen across the entire country. So if they go, hey, we gave money to this guy in Michigan and and it passed and now this legislation is law. It's called the Dangerous Revolution. Reptile Act, um, uh, they will then go to Ohio and then they will go to Illinois and then they'll go to New York and then they'll go to Connecticut. And, and that's what happens. So, uh, so, so definitely I fight for everyone's rights, whether it's in Florida or California or whatever. And we as a community have to fight for the rights in Michigan, um, because it could be damaging and, and really destroy the future of the hobby. And, and, and quite frankly, the, 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 um, future plans for the Reptarium. The Reptarium could survive as it is now, but we might not be able to get animals we want to get in the future because of this act. Uh, So
1: let's pray that we kill it. Uh, Alex Breezy says, "Hey Brian and Jay, love the solo podcast today. Money for snakes, weed and wine for Lori <laughs> Snakes, weed and wine for Lori
0: that, Yeah, this sounds okay. So, like, so I'm going to say snakes, snakes for me, weed for Lori or, <laughs> or no weed for Jay yeah. and, and wine, wine for, for Lori. Lori We appreciate uh, it. I, I we appreciate you. Yes, yeah. And 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 then
1: I out. Uh, then <laughs> where, we got to
0: start the crack fund. Yeah, where's soon? the crack fund for crack, uh, crack for Deacon? <laughs> yeah, for Deacon. <laughs> crack, yeah, so. uh,
1: ball reputation through another five dollars just for love. Uh, thank you so much, man. Uh, Jacob Harrington says." Last breeding season you produced a suma ball. Yes. You know, did we? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Suma are pie. Suma hat pied. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And it said, um sorry, one more time. Uh how is that do uh, one doing? Do you plan yeah. on producing more of this uh next year? I'd love to get yeah. one and they're my favorite.
0: Yeah, I mean we are have the potential for some more sumas. We also have the potential for some suma pieds. Um, and I'm, I'm a little bit behind. Listen, I, like I said, I, I could go out and buy animals that could make a suma pied much quicker than the way I'm going about it. Breeding, you know, mahogany hat to mahogany hat. Um, uh, but, uh, I'm again, I don't. I'm doing it's it It's kind of fun. fun to do it yeah, and see if it you it could hit fun. the odds. Yeah, I'm yeah. doing it for fun now. I'm not doing it. Like I'm not, you know, I, I, was, when I was talking to, to, to when I was on MJ's podcast with, with Justin Kabelka and Ozzy, I told him, I said, you guys are almost convincing me to get back in the game. Dude, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, exciting yeah. hearing about all these new projects and this new, this, and this new, but I'm just, that's never going to happen. I'm not getting back in the game. Uh, I, I, I will continue to produce cool animals. I'll continue to work really cool projects. I think that we we probably produced more cutting edge ball pythons this year than people give us credit for. Oh, dude, um, I mean, so yeah. much cool shit. Yeah, I. we I've produced a lot it. of worlds first this year, but I don't think people even think that, you know, I think that now if people said, hey, who's the top 25 ball python breeders? I don't think there's any way that I make that top 25 list, even though we produced 183 clutches or whatever it was, uh, and, and a lot of really cutting edge stuff. Uh, but we're not, we're definitely not on the same level as Miguel or, or Justin Cabelica or Ozzy or, or many of these, you know, Billy from mutation Creation. We're not on that level. And, and I never want to be on that level again. Um, but, but, you know, we still, we're going to play around. We're, we're gonna, we'll shock some people every now and then I can promise you that because uh, we still have some pretty cool animals that are, you know, churning around here that are, uh, are fun and,
1: and we'll just keep on playing. Uh, Martin says, is Ultramel the same as candy? Really curious. Not at all. Not even close. Not even close. Uh, completely different. I mean, like,
0: so you could say is, uh, is candy and, uh, uh, um, um, the can, oh gosh, what is it? Toffee. I'm sorry. So is candy and toffee the same pretty close you, you could probably say candy and toffee are the same uh ultramel is much more it's a recessive number one and it's much more like uh caramel albino than it mm. is uh, uh toffee or uh, and it's uh, yeah candy and toffee are both allelic to albino uh they're also recessive but they are allelic to albino ultramel is not allelic to albino and it's a uh, recessive on its own but it looks like it looks like a cooler version of a caramel albino that doesn't appear to be linked to kinking. Although I know some people have produced a few ultramel kinks. I've never produced an ultramel kink. And with caramels, you definitely produce a high percentage of kinking. Uh, It's something that's just, you know, it's, it's in the genetics of caramel albino.
1: Uh, Amber asks, how can I help my ball Python with her stuck eye caps? She Mm. sheds, but Mm. I still look strange. Humidity checked substrate and eating well. So
0: it's a really tricky thing because there's there's a difference between an eye crinkle and an eye cap. Yes. And if you have an eye crinkle and you try to remove that eye crinkle, you will destroy the snake's eyes and it will go blind. So number one, you got to make sure it is an eye cap and not an eye crinkle. If it is an eye cap, the best way to go is you get those rubber thumbs that you, that you can buy at Eight, you know, Office Max or any other place that those rubber thumbs you would use are, for like using for counting yeah for, counting, paper, for, yeah, yeah, counting, for money. counting money you know and you just gently go from the front of their mouth to the back and and it and it it, it's, it just sticks to the cap and you can peel it off really easily but don't pry off a cap even if it's a cap you can damage the eye and uh, you are dealing with uh, an and, eye it's and, very yeah, dangerous and there yeah. are there are a lot of times people come to me and say they have an eye cap and it's an eye crinkle. So just be aware of that. Just be aware of that, you know, but, but yeah.
1: Uh, right. Let me see. Give me one second. Okay. Yeah, no now- problem.
0: And then we, I've got a bunch of other stuff to talk about too. So you want to take a break from these or do you want to keep, let going? me hit a couple more. Okay, we'll hit They're a couple quick. more and then we'll get
1: moving on to some other stuff. Uh, ball reputation said, what would you say to someone trying to make it in ball pythons? You kind of did go over that. Um,
0: yeah, but I think it's, you know, just to reiterate, I think uh, pick projects you really like. Um, think out. Don't think, one generation, think five generations. What do you want to do from here? I mean, sit down on a piece of paper, say, okay, I want to take this to this. And That's then, Brian then when I raise yeah. up, I want to go this to this. And then think think years ahead uh, and think what projects would be cool, maybe down the road. Justin Gabelica did a great job. And it sounds to me, and this is, I, I, I could be completely wrong, so don't don't quote me on this. I'm just telling my opinion. Uh, Justin mentioned that he felt that there was now a changing about to happen in the reptile ball python world Mm. and and i don't think he meant i I think the market is better than it's ever been it's amazing i I i'm shocked at how good the ball python market is because i thought it was going to die off uh i think it's had a resurgence i think that it's really in great shape so i think it's it's never too late to get into ball pythons i think now is just as good of a time as any this is what i think justin might have been saying And, and again i'm not putting words in his mouth i'm sorry if i am I think there's a chance that clown ball pythons may be not the primary interest in the future of ball pythons. Clowns will definitely still be very popular, but my problem I have is that right now you have all of the main players in ball pythons crushing clown morphs. Yeah, I mean that's the number one at some point you're going to run out of it right you know what i mean like you're going to be like i'm not saying clowns are going to go away clowns are going to be great for a long time they're recessive they're beautiful they have proof of them. amazing and and i'm just i'm just thinking maybe justin is saying he didn't say this he didn't tell me this i'm i'm totally just coming up with my own hypothesis here is that i'm wondering is he thinking that art right, we've went down the road pretty far with clowns we're going to continue to go down that road but now let's cultivate the next clown ball python what's after clown ball python i don't know what that is i don't know anything about it i'm just saying i'm wondering what he said that i think that there's a changing of the future of projects i'm wondering if he's maybe saying that because Again, you know, so many people are producing on, they're all producing almost the same clown, right? Gothams and Batmans and, and, you know, you know, stranger clowns and, and this and that. And, and at some point, you know, you go, all right, well, everyone's kind of already done all of it. So now where do we go with that project? I think there has to be a next, like a replacement to the clowns to the next. Not saying that clowns are going to go away because they're still going to be really popular. But what's the next wave that the the, the big dogs... Because again, once the big dogs are producing the same as the next tier, they're no longer big dogs, right? That's right. So they have to be the next tier. So when everyone else is producing Batman, they're producing the next thing. And eventually you run out of things with clowns they are saying, I can't do anymore. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's not what Justin was saying because he didn't say it. Uh, maybe he's just <laughs> saying like the next... Maybe Clown will be part of his next journey, but now maybe going in a completely different direction. I don't Interesting. know. I don't know. I'm just saying that he said it, and Justin's a very
1: intelligent guy. Well, you could be right, because yeah. it could be like, you know how typically with clowns, people are trying to get like the thinnest stripe, right? Jagged stripe. Like maybe there's another way you go the other way and try to get it's, stripes it's that are thicker and yeah. more black and stuff. It's like certainly
0: that. possible. And again, he's a smart guy. So I know he's thinking what's going to happen two, three, four years from now. He's not just thinking about 2021. He's thinking about 2026. Yeah, and, think. uh and, and so it'd be interesting to see. Uh, I, and that's the other thing I would say is, is honestly follow guys like his lead, right? If you start to see a shift, Follow that shift because that shift is going to be pretty important in the
1: future. Damn, hot tips, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Roberta said, uh, Love the solo podcast. She wants to get a female to breed with her banana butter. And she. That she bought from BHB. She's learned so much from watching you.
0: Yeah, please it's do. Awesome. You know, please get something. I think you'll be amazing. That's a really beautiful animal, by the way. You Sick, know, yeah. I mean, butter enchi, lesser enchi. And then you put the banana in it. It's amazing. So, uh, so much potential. Gosh, there's so many things you could do with that animal. So, thank you for your support.
1: Uh, Stephanie said, what's the number one thing on your
0: Christmas list, Brian? You know, everyone's asked me that. And and this is what I've said. Uh, I want a a happy Family and friend filled, anxiety free Christmas. That sounds beautiful, That's man. That's it. Period. Nothing else on my list. I don't need a material thing. I don't need a gift. I don't need to open up anything. Uh, I just want to be happy. I want to be around the people I love and I want to not have anxiety. Uh, and I think I will, I. I, I most days I have. Most days I have little anxiety now. Yeah, little to none sometimes. Little to none. So, uh, uh, and and we'll talk about that in future podcasts. I won't get into it too much tonight because we're talking snakes and stuff like that. But I think there's some messages out there. I'm very passionate about mental health. Um, And and, and listen, you don't go through the pain that I went through for six months. And trust me, (laughs) it was unbelievable pain for six months. Every minute of every day, 24 hours a day of pain, uh, you don't do that and not want to help other people. And if you do, then you're an asshole. <laughs> yep, um, yep.
1: And, and so I've got a lot to say there, but we won't talk about that right now. Um, Flat Mountain Pythons said, Michael's has wrapping paper on sale that has the cutest sloths on it. Bought it oh, in honor of you, Brian. Oh, I love it. We've been getting so much sloth stuff, haven't we? I mean, for got, the last like year, oh, though, I like, love it so uh, to, much.
0: Today we had a, a tour in the house and they, did you see the blanket? No, I just got oh, here before you Oh yeah, my yeah. gosh, they gave me this sloth blanket that is the cutest you cut sloth. You cuddling up in it tonight? Oh, it's, it's. oh my gosh. As a matter of fact, I told Lori, I said, maybe we should give it to Drogo. And she's like, no way, this thing is too cool. So, so we're taking it home. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right, let's do one more super chat and we're, we're going to catch up on all the super chats. So hang tight with us guys. Yeah, I'm going to keep them in my phone yeah, so that we're going to keep going, but, uh, will we'll, let's, let's do one more and then let's talk about some other stuff.
1: Stephanie came back and said, my boys showed me your video on VAT 19. Mm. Have you ever thought about doing similar things on the podcast? Love what you do.
0: Ooh. Uh, interesting. I, you know, yes and no. I mean, I think it's not a bad idea, um, to have a, maybe a checking in podcast, where we do silly things yeah, like that I 19, I think that may be bring it to the next level there. And I think that's the thing guys, right? So, so we're going to talk business for a second here and we'll get back to snakes in a minute. Uh, you know, I, I, everything I do, I want to do because it's exciting. It's fun. It's, it's, um, it's, it's innovative. You know, I, I always want to be on the cutting edge. I always want to be on the, I don't want to really be a follower that much. I mean, I follow people and I, and I take, uh, inspiration from people, but I also want to try to push things. Right. So the podcast, you know, I don't know that you guys understand and Jay certainly does, uh, how much I believe in this podcast going forward. Um, we are nowhere where we need to be for sure. You know, I mean, we have to be 10 times larger than what we are now to get to where I feel we need to be. Can we get there? I believe we can. I um, Will we get there? I don't know. You guys are gonna. You guys will be a big part of that. Yeah, you, know? you guys got to
1: keep sharing, keep loving, right. keep liking. But
0: but you got to remember that we we've only started this less than a year ago, and really only got serious over the last few months. So I think that we're much like snake bites and animal bites, and now the vlog. Uh, we're gonna look back and 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 think how horrible we were. You know, what uh, I mean? we're going to be like, we were horrible at the amateurs. Game. Yeah. And so I think that we will evolve and, and maybe these solo podcasts will be something that I didn't even think about prior to today. Today was the first day I thought about doing a solo podcast. Well, solo with me and Jay. Um, uh, so that may be part of the future. Uh, been wondering, which is the one with the guests that are not reptile and animal based that may evolve. It, it may or may not evolve. I think that's the one that, in my opinion, has the largest potential for growth. Maybe I'm wrong. Checking in uh, maybe needs to evolve, right? Maybe checking in does become more VAT nineteen ish. It's not um, a bad idea. And, and and so yes, so so you know we're gonna evolve. But uh, but podcasting to me, I'm not, You know, one thing I believe in in business, whether you're breeding snakes, whether you're uh, whatever you happen to be doing, uh, I think that you don't give up. Right. And, 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 and if you look at my career, there were probably a hundred times in snake breeding, in YouTube, in, in, in everything that I've done, there was a hundred times that any sane person would have given up. Yeah. But I didn't. And, and, and I think that that's the same way I feel about podcasting. I feel we are going to be successful. I feel podcasting will be a huge part of our future, and it will be as successful as our vlog and everything else we do. Will it? I don't know, but I believe it can be, and that's what I'm going to do. So, uh, so, But it will evolve over, over the time for sure.
1: Yeah. And we, and it will get there because yeah. we're going to work our ass off to make it happen. It know?
0: will. Yeah. So back to reptiles a little bit. You got you know, it. I think that one of the things that, uh, um, you know, people don't understand too, is like, well, w- when you're developing a plan for breeding reptiles is a, is a career second side hustle, whatever the case is, is that you have to come up with a, a, a pretty good plan. The more you plan, the better the chances are you're going to succeed. Um, And and the harder you work at it, obviously that goes without saying, but, but also be willing to Adapt too, right? You know, you don't want to write this big business plan out and then you get a year into it and it just things aren't working and you aren't willing to adapt. I mean, one of the things that we've done throughout our entire career is adapt constantly. You know, whether it was was with snakes or, or or Reptarium or the vlog or you know, obviously snake bites was one thing we adapted to the vlog. Now we're you know the vlog and now we're adapting a little bit to podcasting. I'm not saying any of the other things are going to go away, but I'm just saying that you know we're always in this constant state of uh, adaptation. Flux, yeah, yeah. And, and so so, you know, keep that into mind and then, you know, also, you know, like think about things like I, I talk about scaling with ball pythons or or, or, or I shouldn't say ball pythons I should say reptile breeding is that if you want to scale your and scale just means growth, right? If you want to grow your business, you have to understand that again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier in the podcast with gross and net, right? BHB was the perfect example of how scaling sometimes doesn't work. We got to the point where we were grossing a few million dollars a year and barely making money because we had scaled to the point where where our overhead was so high. it was so intrusive that it was you know I had to you know I had to wake up uh, June 1st and make $60,000 by June 30th to be broke, to be broke. You know, it, it, and, and, and that was just, that's a hard thing to, to, to deal with. Right. I mean, you know, whereas, uh, you know, Miguel, my good friend from always evolving pythons, you know, has a great little outbuilding in his backyard that has an amazing collection of ball pythons and a couple of times. And again, I don't know what the few that's, he makes his own decisions. I'm just a friend of him giving his advice a couple of times. He said like, Hey. I've thought about, you know, buying a bigger building and I can double or triple my collection. And my advice has always been don't do that. You know, right now you've got it going on. you got, you know, Jesse, his brother, is his main employee. He might have some part-time help here and there, but for the most part, he's got one employee. He's got rodents. He's got, you know, no rental building because it's out back. He's got some electricity, but he's crushing it on the net side of things, right? Because the gross, it might not be as much as if he grew three times, but the net may be more where he's at now. Well, not probably, most likely his net will be more now in his backyard than he will if he, he scales to, to to a large level. So the only way you can scale a, a a reptile collection effectively is if you're going to then sell an enormous amount more animals. Uh, so like let, let me just say, if you produced 10 clutches of ball pythons and you made 20 grand, you can't produce 100 clutches and make 200 grand. It's just not going to happen. You're going to produce 100 clutches and you're going to make, instead of 20, you're going to make, 35 or 40 grand, you know, so you're 10 times the work for maybe twice the money. Right. And so these are the things you have to keep in mind. It can work. You know, I mean, you've got, obviously you've got the bells at reptile industry. You've got, uh, the max at, at reptiles by Mac. You've got the gourmet rodent with Mike Lehman. Um, you've got uh, triple L you've got, you know, underground reptiles. Uh, some of those are more wholesalers than they are breeders, but, but they all do a little of both. Uh, and what their, their business models have been to sell to thousands of customers on a huge level. So every day they have to ship out, you know, uh, 250 boxes of reptiles. And you have to ask yourself, is that the life you want? Now with me, with BHB, what happened was we scaled and we got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden... I was no longer attached to any of the animals because I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. And this was a big part of why I downsized was that there were times where I would walk into a room and literally didn't know I had an animal. I'd be like, oh my God, that thing is beautiful, man. When did we get that? And they'd be like, oh, well, we had that for six months. And I didn't even, I had never seen it, Crazy. never even seen it. And that's when I knew uh, this isn't for me, man. This isn't why I'm doing this, man. I want to be able to walk and know every single animal in my collection. And you do. And we do. Yeah. E- even though we have a lot of snakes and a lot of reptiles, we still know everything. We know at, where everything is at everything. any given chance, at yep. any moment. Anytime, yeah. man. We we love it. We, we're, we look forward to it. I remember when a female lays eggs for the first time. I'm like, I remember when we hatched that. right yeah, I yeah. when I bought that animal. And, and that wasn't the case when we scaled bigger. And that's what you have to decide. I'm not saying it's not wrong. It's not, you could definitely... What is that for you? Is yeah. that for you? Is that your reason? Are you wanting to produce? Listen, Mike, uh, or I'm sorry, Mike Lehman runs the Gourmet Rodent, but Bill Brandt is who grew the Gourmet Rodent and then ultimately sold it to Mike Lehman. They they supply all of Petco. And then we're not going to get into whether Petco and PetSmart are good or not. How's maybe that we'll, that maybe we'll that, get yeah. into that at some other time. Uh, I have probably, you know, opinions about that that, that are some people would agree with and some people won't. So we won't talk about that at this moment, but, um, Bill Brandt really did look Bill Brandt was a, a, one, another mentor of mine, mainly on the business side, not so much on the reptile side. Uh, and he's an amazing, amazing person still, still is, uh, he's retired now, but he's still an amazing person, probably one of the smartest businessmen to ever have worked in the reptile world. but, although he was a, a diehard reptile guy cause he'd been breeding and keeping reptiles since the seventies. Um, but the truth was is, is he was really about the business. What drove him, what gets me up in the morning is spending time with these reptiles, you know, teaching and educating people about these reptiles. What got Bill up in the morning was growing his business and making money and making widgets, you know, widgets, didn't matter if they were leopard geckos, corn snakes or ball pythons, they were widgets, they were numbers, they were a spreadsheet, you know, and and and, and that was good for him. He, he loved it. He he thrived in it. That was what he wanted to do. Is it what you want to do? It's not what I want to do. As a matter of fact, Bill Brandt came to my collection back about eight years ago. He was supplying Petco. He was doing about, I think, about $8 million a year with Petco uh, on top of other things. Um, uh, the max and, 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 the bells were, were mainly supplying pet smart and, uh, and, and that was pretty much it. And, and he came to my collection. This is when we still had the big, you know, 20,000 square foot building full of snakes producing, you know, literally tens of thousands of baby snakes a year. And, and, and Bill came in and he said, listen, there's three major collections in the country right now supplying the big, you know, box chains. And again, that was the Max, the Bells, and, 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 the, and the Gourmet Rodent. And he said, you're the only person that has the infrastructure to be the number four. You're the only guy. You have it all here. You can slide into it right now. You know, they have a demand issue or a supply issue because the demand is too high. We can't supply them with the demand that they want, the supply that they want, and you're slated to do it. And I looked at it and I said, fuck that, man. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Not interested in that. Not interested in that. Not interested in that. And I went the other way and we sold off three quarters of our collection or 60% of our collection. Uh, because it just wasn't something I was interested in. I didn't want that. I didn't want to produce widgets. I wanted to produce baby animals that I loved and that I was sending to people. And that was why we stopped wholesaling animals. We no longer wholesale. We sell to the end user and we call every single person and we have a personal relationship with every single customer that we have. And, uh, and that's what made me happy uh, in the reptile breeding game. But that doesn't necessarily mean it makes you happy I'm saying what made me happy. Yeah, it makes you, you tear have to, up a right, little though. You, yeah, you have, to, you have to decide what you want to do, not what I want to do, you know. But uh, but I want to share these experiences with you so that as you're thinking of, you know, maybe breeding reptiles, maybe you're thinking about the side hustle. Uh, or, and, and we will get into, maybe not tonight, but in the future, solo ones, we'll get into, you know, the reptarium. If you want to start a reptile zoo, what you're looking at. Uh, we learned a lot in the last two badass, years. Yeah. We've learned a lot in the last two years. Uh, I remember Jay from Prehistoric Pets. Uh, told me when I first started opening up the reptarium, he said, you're going to learn a lot about, or you're, you're going to learn a lot about what you don't think you need to know Mm -hmm. running a reptile zoo. And, and, you know, I'll be totally honest with you. We've learned a ton. Uh, I think I was better prepared than he thought I was to be totally honest with you. I really do think I was better prepared than he thought I was. Um, but We did learn a lot and I'll share that with you because maybe you aren't interested in breeding reptiles, but maybe you're interested in maybe going down the educational route. Maybe you're uh, interested in going down the reptile zoo uh, chain and and there's there's opportunities all the way across the border. So we'll cover that. But right now we're talking mainly breeding snakes and breeding reptiles and stuff like that. Uh, Let's
1: hit a couple supers, man. All right. We got. um, Let me see. Uh, Amanda Arnett, she threw $5 just for love. No comment. Uh, Thank you. Timothy Lesher said, Do you have any tips or advice establishing mangroves? Thanks in advance.
0: Yes. So, you know, it's much like I talked about earlier uh, in the podcast about dragon snakes and Mandarin rat snakes. I, I don't like wild caught mangroves, you know, a lot of them die, not as many as the dragon snakes and not as many as the, the mandarins, but a large portion of mangrove snakes that come into the country don't do well. Uh, again, better success rate, probably if a hundred percent of dragon snakes die and 98% of mandarins die, 60, 60 to 70% of mangroves die, right? So much better success rate yeah, yeah. than the other two. But that's still a lot of mangrove snakes that are dying, right? So, and and I realize it's very hard to find captive mangroves. I'm one of the very few people that over the last three years have produced mangrove snakes and we've kept almost every single one of them. Uh, But I I would still encourage you to try to find captives, even if it, it goes back to what I was saying about not chasing, being patient. Because if you get captive ones, they're gonna crush for you. They're gonna be amazing for you. And 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 if you get wild ones, you're gonna have a lot of heartache. Um, that's just my opinion. Um, and and that's the way I think you should go
1: about it. Ryan Hill says, "Are you going to do Venom Hunters again? I loved watching <laughs> you and Chewy catch those top hands."
0: Well, a couple things about that. You know, uh, one, I I, I had a great time on Venom Hunters. Um, created a tremendous amount of hatred for me uh, because people couldn't separate the fact that it was just a TV show, right? I mean, TV is TV and people, uh, and I understand, you know, I mean, they 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 painted me in Venom Hunters as like a guy that wanted to become uh, a, a big name in the Venom business. So, of course, a bunch of the people in the Venom business then took Ire to that, like that mother effer in trying <laughs> to take our business. I was never going to become a Venom guy. I wasn't yeah, interested yeah. in that world. It was for TV. Um, had a great time. It's it was never my decision whether I was going to do more Venom Hunters. It was the network's decision, and we had decent ratings. Uh, get into you know, Nielsen ratings are a little bit complicated, but uh, nevertheless, we were we were shooting at about a point two in the Nielsen ratings, um, which means that we were top 20 uh but on discovery top 20 isn't always good enough it's right in the middle we were when when they decided not to renew the series it was literally they said that you guys were on the bubble they're like we're you're on the bubble i mean we could go either way with this and they decided to not go forward with it so it wasn't my decision to not do venom hunters i am glad that we didn't do venom hunters quite frankly because like i said the hatred that came with it number one was was really troubling uh number two um you know, I, I had a fun time, but I was about done with that world, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the only way I would do television again, the I, I, I shouldn't say never, but I don't think I would ever do television again. The only television show I would do again would be on my family business. So if there was a television uh, opportunity that was about my family business uh, with reptiles, I would consider doing a TV show. Uh, every other TV show. And I've been offered a lot of shows in the last two or three years. Uh, I turn every one of them down. I just say, no, I'm not interested. And that doesn't mean that, that maybe the right show comes up and, and, and I go, wow, that sounds like a blast. I'm going to do it. Uh, so I never say never, but, but I don't see myself doing television unless a network says, why don't we do a family business on or a family uh, uh, show on his business, his reptarium, his family, his crew, uh, which I personally think would be a fucking hit. Oh, uh, dude, it'd be I, so I don't mean funny, to be dude. Ar- I don't mean to be arrogant. I just think that we have a really interesting life.
1: And there's so much shit that goes like on yeah. that, you know for TV is just perfect. I mean, yeah, even the dynam- like, the, yeah. even like salt and peppers tank, like that's hysterical on a yeah. TV show, right? Well, like- and the th- we have an interesting
0: family dynamic, obviously, you know, Lori and, and me have an interesting relationship compared to most husbands and wives. Um, and, and lots of other things go on. I mean, and, and if, if there was a, a crew there that was really capturing the essence of what we do here, I do think it'd be a hit. Uh, will it happen? I don't know. And, and, and it's not up to me to choose. Um, you know, is there, you know, is, has there been some talks lately about it? Man, I
1: mean, there's a possibility that there's been some talks.
0: <laughs> but uh, again, it's it's not up to me. And there's a lot of uh, the talks that have happened with uh, some networks recently. Uh,
1: it's We're a long way off. Let's just put it that way um Scottish Robs came back and said uh as a mod for the Ryan uh reptile keepers for Brian Barcheck page oh, trying to get members to email about how it would be uh detriment to tourism dollars for the state bill to pass yeah. I, I think be cordial. Yeah. Please. Just just be really, Everybody. Uh, and
0: and by the way, thank you for the reptile keepers, uh, for Brian Barczyk page. Thanks for everyone that's on there. Um, and, and, and yes, we could use all your emails and, and calls and stuff. Just be cordial be, understand that, you know, you know, what's the saying? You can get more bees with honey than, than, vinegar. than, than yeah. vinegar. Uh, just keep that in mind. And, uh, but yes, if, if we flood the committee with emails, and that's so true, uh, though.
1: I mean, like, the amount of tourism that The Reptarian brings yeah. in is r- ridiculous weekly, yeah. you yeah. know?
0: Yeah, we're up here. I, you know that we're up for the—I sent you an email. Yeah. We're up for I the I didn't Macomb see it until County. today, though. Yeah, we're I'd up. i just seen it. That's okay. It didn't matter. We're good. We're okay, good. Okay, Because I was going to tell you about that. I, yeah, yeah. I kind of misread the email anyways, but uh, we're up for the Macomb County Business of the Year. Um, dude, it's, I'm so happy for yeah, you, man. So it, I, I seen it, yeah. and I was
1: like, no way, dude! So we were
0: nominated by the mayor, uh, but now we're finalists, so there's, there's just a— a few few businesses so we're one who do we got to go burn down dude yeah we're we're gonna go go, kick it. not a business if it's on fire hey reptile keepers (laughs) for brian bartik go over there with some pickets (laughs) yeah there you go uh, (laughs) dude we'll get this going (laughs) no 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 but it's an honor and and i don't know if we'll win or not but um but you know yeah
1: that jeweler guy mike said uh sup guys hope everyone is doing well hope you are too mike thanks for
0: always supporting us brother i appreciate you man."
1: Uh, and let roses burn said another podcast tomorrow, maybe sweet. Oh
0: shit, man. <laughs> Come
1: on now. We gotta really? have a, you know, God
0: rests on Sunday. You know that, right? <laughs> Somebody so, you know, do it. We, God said we have to rest. No, not saying I'm not, <laughs> that sounded really arrogant. No, no, no. The, you're right though. I, That's I, what I was, we're supposed I, to do. You just go rest. saying We're supposed to rest on Sunday. That, uh, although we won't be resting, but we, I don't think we'll be podcasting. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that being said, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't think that it's completely out of the, the realm of possibility that, um, you know, down the road, not, not this week or next month or three months from now, but down the road, I could see us doing five, six, I seven agree. podcasts a week. You know, I really could see us. Yeah. Doing if we a had the traction that we yep.
1: were looking for. Right. Yeah. But
0: like I said, we have to be 10 times the size we are now to make it worthwhile because the amount of energy effort and, and stuff that goes into everything to do with it. Um, you know, we have, you know, you, you gotta, all, there's, I always talk about mental bandwidth. And, and there's only so much mental bandwidth. So if we were to podcast seven days a week, something else would have to give. Right. We, co- we couldn't just add seven podcasts a week on top of everything else we're doing
1: now because we would all die. <laughs> you know. Short answer for you. Yeah. yeah. Tyler King said, uh, will you go over bread lie?
0: Uh, I, I, I don't know exactly what that means I other than the fact that bread lie are obviously Centralian carpet pythons. They're one of my um, favorite snakes. And, and uh, they're, they're absolutely amazing uh, snakes. Uh, they're probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite, carpet python. Uh, they're, they're obviously from Central Australia. And um, they're one of the larger carpet pythons. They can get, you know, nine, nine ten foot. Uh, typically very docile. Uh, some of the Australian ones that they have, like some of the hypomelanistic ones are ridiculous. What? Um, absolutely. We don't have any here that I'm aware of. There was some stonewash, uh, bre- for a while. I don't know what happened. We had one, we produced a few of them. Then we sold them when we downsized. Mm. Um, and I don't know if anyone else is producing them. I'm, I'm a little out of the game on the carpet Python side. So I'm assuming they're still stonewashed, um, uh, brettles. Uh, and, that sounds and, sick. Yeah. And, and I know that some of the guys down like Joe Ball down in Australia was producing uh, albino Darwin brettles crosses. And some people, uh, the carpet Python industry doesn't seem to be as Finicky. A green tree it, and it, stuff. Yeah, it's finicky about the, the integration of subspecies. Um, but those albino, as a matter of fact, can you pull up, just pull up yeah. albino brettles carpet python or albino centralian carpet python? Yeah. You guys have to see these because they are absolutely ridiculous. And it's something I, I haven't even started the project. But it is of something I'd like to start, to be honest with you. Again, just for my personal opinion, uh, yeah, that's right the second picture you can hit. <sighs> second picture, yeah. Look at Whoa. that. So the bottom one is the bre- the albino brettles, and the top one is the albino Darwin's. I
1: mean, this is so much more next level, dude. Yeah, that's right. Crazy. It's like lipstick. That's it's nuts.
0: ridiculous. Yeah. So uh, and that I'm sure this is Joe Ball's picture right here. I'm positive of it, which is uh, a blue blue tongue uh, yep. skinks Australia,
1: blue tongue lizard. Yeah, blue tongue.
0: Yeah, they call them lizards there. Blue to- Yeah, that's that's Joe Ball. So it's, it's absolutely beautiful. So yeah, yeah. that was,
1: I've never even seen that before. That's crazy. Yeah, it's great. So uh, I'd like ball, to, ball reputation asks, what do you think of the cinder gene?
0: Mm. It's been around for a long time. Uh, it's another dark morph animal. Um, I think it's, it's interesting, you know, cause I like the dark morph stuff. I think right now in the dark morph, you know, you obviously have cinder, you have, uh, black pastel, cinnamon pastel, you have blackheads. Um, now, you know, stranger gene is kind of in there. Mahogany is in there. Um, mm-hmm. And I think any one of those have interest, you know, cinder might be interesting because it probably hasn't been put into as much stuff as the other genes. Yeah. So it may react differently. Get so so if you're out. working with them, you know, put, start chunking it into, you know, clowns and random and, stuff, and the yeah. stuff that you're seeing that goes really well with blackhead cinnamon, black pastel and, and stranger mahogany, um, plug that cinder into that stuff because that's going to give you something
1: probably similar, maybe better, or maybe not. It's hard to say uh Landon McCabe says how do I get my stubborn lavender cow king to transition from lizards to mice your channel is inspiring to all keep up the great uh-huh. work wow that's interesting tricky yeah, problem that's, that's, yeah <laughs> I I don't know that
0: I've ever had a cow king that that doesn't eat rodents uh you know certainly if you haven't tried scented yet that's try scented move, right? you know I mean so take a lizard if you can find a frozen lizard what you want to do is just it out a little bit I know it sounds gross but you just take a razor blade just you open the guts up and you 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 literally roll a, a, a pinky or a Fuzzy or whatever size, you know, meal that that cow king could eat. Uh, you roll it in the in the guts of that frozen thawed animal and um and that's often how we get animals that are say snake eaters over to pinkies and lizard eaters over to pinkies and stuff like that so that's a it's a good trick if you haven't tried that yet give that a shot and that that oftentimes works the other thing you can do of course is the choo-choo train where you know as it's finishing the lizard uh, lizard, you just choo-choo train right you know that's smart the, the, the rodent right behind it and then they get that rodent thing and oftentimes after two three four times they'll switch over Amy says, thank you for being such a consistent ambassador for reptiles from Ohio. Well, thank you so much. I mean, if, if not, if I am nothing else, I'm consistent. <laughs> I, I might be a consistent asshole. I might be a consistent, <laughs> way. you know, whatever, but I am definitely consistent. I mean, I've lived my life
1: very consistently. And, uh, and, and yeah, like, and, like that time you went like on a, what was it? Like a few week binge of eating like bologna sandwiches or yeah, something. I think it was 13 days, 13 days sandwiches alone. And I did, I think and that I did, means, say, does that you know, mean every meal? every meal, every meal, every meal? Yeah. Only and, thing and, you ate.
0: And I, I did ten days only eating corn. Yeah, yeah. And there was there meal. hot
1: dogs too. Did uh,
0: hot dogs? No, I happen? don't think I did hot dogs. I, I've or was I it love eggs hot dogs. or something? There yeah, was I've something. Done, else, done, right? yeah, I get on these kicks. I'm I actually going to get back on a, a health kick here. I just weighed myself. I gained like eight pounds since we left on our trip. Yeah, you from, think so, dude? Yeah, and just beef between jerky the, between only the tri- between <laughs> the trip and then back home. A lot. Of, Lori's cooked some beautiful cookies. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> I know, heard about you destroying yeah. the cookie jar. I was just destroying. So I, I today I realized, oh shit, you know, I, you guys, if you. You guys don't know I lost almost 30 pounds uh, in the last several months and I just gained eight of them back. So I am uh, back on the run. I'm going to drop these. Uh, I actually want to drop about 12 pounds. Uh, my target weight, I actually hit my target weight, but I still wasn't quite happy. So I wanted to do about four more pounds beyond that. So, uh, yeah, so I'll consistently
1: uh, be uh, Getting working some on some slim, that. get some cut. <laughs> get some, Let Rose it, Bird it, said, uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so what she thought we said, and probably we did say, is we said that the vlog tomorrow was going to be about the bill, but we probably ah. said podcast an accident.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, no worries. Yeah, yes. So tomorrow's vlog will be all on uh, HR six five four four, which is the Dangerous Reptile Act uh, that is being proposed in the Committee for Agriculture in Michigan, and it was uh, it was brought to uh, uh, to the light in December first. Not sure when the committee is actually going to be held, um, but I'm assuming that's going to happen probably
1: before Christmas, maybe right after the first of the year. Uh, Heather said, I would so watch a TV show about you guys. You are amazing. Love you all. You have uh, so got me through some tough times.
0: Well, you know, thank Spice you. Versa. Thank
1: you. Thank you, Heather.
0: Uh, and, and, you know, TV's interesting because I, I won't get into it. So I'm going to lose half the people here because I'm, I'm you know, I'm passionate about entertainment as well. And it's, it's, <laughs> when we were on Discovery Channel or when I was on Discovery with Venom Hunters, that, you know, like the the, 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 everyone at discovery channel knew me very well. (laughs) And they (laughs) said that, uh, they had never had anyone ever on their network like me. Um, (laughs) because I was like, so, uh, about that shit. I was just like, yeah. and, and the rumor was, I mean, the, the the joke going around the office was that I would one day run the PR for Discovery Channel because <laughs> because I was so uh, uh, adamant about their production or their promotion of things. And, um, and and they were fantastic. They still are fantastic. As a matter of fact, one of the networks that we've talked with recently was Discovery because, uh, and the reason they, they, they wanted to even talk about it was... Uh, because of my past relationship with them. They, you know, here even four years after Venom Hunters, apparently my name is still uh, synonymous at Discovery's Communications. And uh, uh, I can probably tell you that I know one thing, quick little anecdotal story for you guys. Uh, uh, I I was the person that was uh, responsible for changing their email system. <laughs> what do you and, mean? And so, bro? so listen, Discovery Channel, Discovery Communications, pretty large company, you know, yeah, they own, yeah, you, they know. own uh, not you know, they own probably a few hundred million dollars at least, <laughs> maybe, maybe more than that. Uh, and, and interestingly enough, every single person at the network email was their first name, last initial at discovery.com. That was it. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, like yeah. Sarah B at discovery com or discovery.com yeah, yeah. on, on, on. Well, at the time, the president, the GM of discovery communications, was a guy named Rick Ross. And so, uh, at the end when they did not renew, I emailed Rick R at discovery.com. And I said, uh, I said, Hey, thank you, Rick, for letting me be on your network. It was an amazing experience. Um, uh, sorry, it didn't work out better. Within 20 minutes, I get an email back from the president of discovery communications (laughs) saying, thank you so much, Brian. We loved your work here. We hope we can work with you again. 15 minutes later, I got a phone call from a head of talent at, at discovery saying, how did you get Rick's email? Oh my god! And I said, well, it's pretty easy to figure out, isn't it? Oh, I said, shit. every single person has the first and last name. So immediately thereafter, everyone's emails were changed. You're so for real. I swear to God, that's it happened. so swear damn god. funny, bro. Yeah, I swear to God, that's what happened. So, uh, so yeah, so, uh, 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 I think, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think I know entertainment pretty well. Uh, yeah I'm, I'm a student of it and, and, and i really have said this from the beginning if you get a a a, a show that is not full of bullshit and and fake reality just the real reality of our daily life here and what we're gonna do and and and, and, and in particular the show we're talking about is expanding the zoo uh in in that journey i i think that there's no doubt it would be a hit you know, not because of me. As a matter of fact, I've said this. And even when I've talked to some of the production people recently, I've said this, and I'm probably talking way out of, t- I should probably not be telling you as much as I am right now. <laughs> um, but I do that. Um, you know, I've said really the show's success is predicated on Lori, not anybody else. It, Cause Lori is a very interesting character. Um, good, bad, or ugly, whatever you want to call it. She, she's the most interesting person I think She's real as fuck. She's real. She's going to bring it every time. And she, she's going to always be is as real as you possibly can be. And, and, and that's just the way it is. And I think that Lori will be the, the most popular person on that show, you know, and (laughs) I, I seriously said that. And, and so, so listen, and I'm going to wrap up my, 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 uh, uh, TV stuff with this, and then we'll move back on to reptiles is that I've always said, and I, and I told discovery this, uh, when, when they did, so there was a character on venom hunters named Tim fitzer. I'm calling it out. Fuck it. Uh, and, and, and people hated him, hated him. I mean, all I ever heard everywhere I went, every promotion I did was people saying, I cannot stand that Tim fitzer guy. And so I, when Discovery, I, I so I went to Discovery Communications uh, head office in L.A. They had me out after they said they weren't going to renew because they did not want it. They said, "Hey, listen, we want to do something with you, Brian. We just don't know what it's going to be." So they had me out. We talked. We met everybody, and 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 what I told them is the same thing that I'm telling you right now is that you want to. Create an emotion when you're in entertainment, whether it's YouTube, whether it's uh, TikTok, whether it's it's Discovery Channel. And that emotion needs to be a couple things. It either needs to be, man, I would love to just go and have a beer with that person and chit-chat. You know, seems like a really cool do- guy, i.e. Mike Rowe, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, don't, yeah, wouldn't yeah. anyone want to go hang out with Mike Rowe? No, I agree. You know, I mean, from Dirty Jobs or now whatever he does. Um, Josh Gates would be another person that would do that. Or you want to have someone punch you in your fucking face. (laughs) You want to be like that. The Kardashians, you know, I mean, you name it. Like, I hate those people. Jersey Shore. How many people? I'd like to kill them. You are creating an emotion. Now with the emotion you don't want to create is either no emotion like, (laughs) eh, we're all right, but I don't really think, I don't like them or dislike them. Not a good emotion. Or the next emotion you don't want to create is I want to turn the channel. Yep. Or Tim Fitzer you wanted to turn the channel. You didn't want to punch him. You just didn't want to see him again. You didn't want want to hear the voice. You you just wanted him off your TV screen. Now, if he was a complete asshole. So my point is, is that not that Lori's a a terrible person. I think that the fact is, is that because she says what she says, there are going to be people that love her. How many times, Jay, do we hear, Lori, you're my spirit animal. animal. Lori, you're my spirit animal. So people are going to love her. And then there's going to be other people that are going to be like, she is a bitch, right?
1: But she's going to create an emotion either way. No, I agree you know, with you, dude, because, like, that's the yeah. thing is it's it's what makes you stick around, right? Because right. I'm going to think about you after that show's off, whether it's, like, like you oh. said, oh, yeah, I really like that person, or I can't even believe I just watched what I just watched. you right. know what I mean? Yeah, it's but like,
0: the one thing you want to do is never be like, I, I you know—
1: I want to go on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather,
0: I'd, be, I'd rather be watching. Yeah, someone get executed than watch the <laughs> show. You know. Uh, so, anyways, back to uh, back to uh, some. Do we have any more super chats? Then, uh, just one. Not, I got, okay, we let's get this uh, one, and then I'll go back to a couple topics.
1: Kermit said, uh, "Hey, Brian, just got a beautiful pair of yellow a- eyelash vipers nice. after a year long mentorship. Yeah, love nice. what you guys do, and would love yeah. to visit the zoo. Well, I hope you can
0: come and visit. Bring those vipers, dude. Uh, yeah, I love <laughs> eyelash vipers. I mean, you know." Uh, you know, all, I mean, you know, temple vipers, eyelash vipers. Um, I mean, they're all just absolutely amazing. You know, uh, I I don't see myself keeping them at this time or in the, in the near future. I'm not going to say I'm never going to keep venomous. I've worked with venomous on and off for my, since I was 15, 16. Um, but I don't, you know, I, I, it's, this is the thing you gotta, there's always, you gotta always be willing to die on a hill, right? Yep. And, and the one hill I'm not willing to die on is, The Venom Hill. The Venom Hill with Lori. (laughs) Lori is so opposed to them. I know I can get a sloth. I know I can get a Komodo dragon. I know I can do some things. uh, Venomous is not going to happen, and I'm not going to die on that hill. So I'll I'll appreciate it, and I get to go around and mess with other people's Venomous snakes, and I love them to death. One day, maybe the Reptarium has Venomous. Uh, But if it's up to uh, uh, HR Bill 6455, we will not be able to keep them, period. They'll be gone. There's no venomous snakes in the state of Michigan are going to be able to be had, except for Grandfather Claus one. You won't be able to breed them. You won't be able to sell them. You won't be
1: able to buy them. Um, Dank J says, Lori's a sexy mama. The devil made me say it, Brian. (laughs) Oh, man. Dank, you going at my girl? That's fucked up, bro. Dude, what's up? You going to get
0: served up, bro. I I think so, too, though. (laughs) Stephanie says, I'd love to sit down and drink wine with Lori. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. It's a, it's a, it's a good thing, you know, but, uh, so a couple more things before we head out here, I do want to just cover a couple more things is that I think that, you know, when it comes to business of breeding reptiles, um, you know, diversity is important. I think that when you're too narrow in one project, it could, it, it you, you kind of put yourself into a, a, a hole and I don't necessarily mean that you have to work with different species, uh, I personally have always felt that was the best role is to go with ball pythons and colubrids and boas and whatever the case may be. Because you got to remember, there's always going to be cycles, right? And but, but even within, let's say you just want to do ball pythons. It's not a good idea. Like I talked about with clowns, you know, I think clowns have a long life ahead. And, and I was just completely speculating if Justin was saying maybe there's too many clowns out there because I don't know that that's how he feels. But what if there is too many clowns out there? And you put all your money into clown ball pythons. All your eggs in one Uh, basket. Yeah, it becomes a problem. And I'm not saying it's going to happen because maybe 20 years from now, clown ball pythons will still be all the rage. But it's better to go, all right, I'm going to do some clowns. I'm going to do some tri-stripes. I'm going to do some, you know, some uh, whatever, you know, lavender albinos, you know, whatever the case may be. If you want to stay with recessive stuff, uh, genetic stripes, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, I think diversity is important. And I think that if you become too narrow Uh, when something goes wrong and that market falls out, you don't have a safety net. And that goes back to what I was saying six years ago when we became more diversified with our income streams is that we were no longer relying just on breeding and selling reptiles to pay the bills. And and, and I think it's the same thing within reptiles is if you are going to really focus on reptiles, you know, Keep yourself diversified so that you're not just producing one type of ball python or one type of corn snake or whatever the case is. Have more diversity because one year corn snakes are going to be hot, one year. I mean, colubrids in the last few years have literally went insane. I mean, like we are selling colubrids sometimes for 10 times what we sold them for five or six years ago and literally selling them as quick as we put them on our website. And people were telling us to get out of colubrids five years ago, that they were dead, that it was stupid to even breed colubrids. And five years later, you know, people are standing in line throwing money at people that have colubrids. So if I would have listened and went out of them and not been as diversified, we would have probably, uh, you know, definitely not done that. The other thing I think is, uh, is is, and this goes back to what I was talking about, a little bit with chasing, right? Not chasing. And, and this is uh, trying to take the emotion out of things, right? Uh you know, it's really easy to get emotional about buying into, uh, it, even more so with animals because you're emotionally like, it's an animal, you know? One thing if you're buying a piece of property, it, yeah, you know, yeah. you can get emotional about like, man, I really wanna be on that riverfront. And that if I don't buy that, I'm not gonna be able to be on the riverfront. But it's still just a piece of property, you know what I mean? There's gonna be another riverfront property eventually. But when you get into like, I want that leopard gecko, I want that ball python, it's really easy to get emotional. But try to take that emotion out as much as you can. You know, that doesn't mean once you get it, you aren't emotional because then you should be emotional about it. But but getting into a project, a lot of times don't chase things and and become like, if I don't buy this today, I'm never going to get an opportunity again, because you don't know if maybe missing that opportunity might bring a better opportunity tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, so so that's one of the things I taught I I, want to stress, too. I learned over the many years of doing this, that that if you can take the emotion out of the decision oftentimes uh you're you're way better off you know so uh um so anyways do we have anything else
1: Jabe? that's is, it that's i have it. a question for you though yeah sure um all right so i've noticed obviously a lot of obviously but this is before ball pythons but a lot of the people that started in the ball py, or in the reptile world were yeah. bre- breeding colubrids right yeah in the states yeah right mm-hmm. is that because colubrids are here like we have a ton of colubrids that you can actually find here like in south america were they more you know before people were importing other things were they breeding boas no you know? not not really
0: i mean i think what happened was it was just pythons were more difficult to breed Gotcha. You. Know? okay they're more difficult to breed and more difficult to hatch you got to remember ernie wagner uh, again a legend i would like to talk about in the future on legends of reptiles uh, he is still alive i don't know what condition he's in uh and i would i would do anything to have him out to be in the same room with him right now would be yeah. amazing uh um you know he bred the first burmese pythons okay and and i remember talking to him about it. it was in the 60s and i remember talking to him about they had no idea how to hatch the eggs none so really? he said he went two okay. or three seasons of killing every single egg and what they would have to do oftentimes is like, all right, I've got 40 eggs. I'm going to take 10 eggs and incubate them at this temperature and this humidity. And I'm going to take 10 eggs over here and wow. I'm going to take 10 eggs. And, and you know, he killed more than he hatched yeah, yeah, yeah. until they finally figured out how to hatch them. And the recipe. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, the recipe. Whereas colubrids are very forgiving. You just throw them up on the shelf. They hatch. You got know? you. OK, OK. So I think that that's why colubrids were just much more prevalently bred back in the, the 60s and 70s and even the 80s, uh, because once we dialed in the ball, I remember a guy named Tom Huff who had. At the uh, uh, the reptile breeding center in Toronto, mm-hmm. uh, again another legend that unfortunately isn't around anymore. But he, he was a legend. Uh, he did a lot of the early study of hatching pythons, whether it was the Alberts pythons, Bismarck ring pythons, uh, so on like that. Ball pythons have always been relatively easy to hatch. The problem was is that they you know when you were importing wild caught adults, very few of them did well. Right. And really quick side note, we'll talk more about this in the future, but like, you know, ball pythons are interesting. Like people don't understand that another kind of legend I'd love to have on, I'd love I think it'd be a good guy named Joe Fossey. Uh, Joe yeah, yeah, Joe yeah. Fossey's a guy that's down in Tampa who, uh, ironically enough, you know, you got to remember when ball pythons were coming into the, the country for the majority of the, the, the before captive breeding, uh, and, and farming over in Africa, they were coming in wild caught. They were not doing well high high mortality rate would very rarely eat in captivity um and they did very bad so that's why people weren't really breeding them even though the eggs were easier to hatch the production was hard because you couldn't get them to eat you know they they were really species specific to gerboas and and asf rats which weren't being produced back in the day um and who's going to feed a Jerboa that costs $50 to a, a ball python, right? So uh, what happened was Joe Fossey was going to, I believe, the Florida State or University of Florida, and a guy named Emmanuel Noah from Accra, Ghana, uh, was also going to school, and they were roommates. Joe Fossey was into snakes. Noah came from Ghana, the place where most from, ball yeah. pythons were being exported. That's so crazy. And uh, and, and he spoke to Emmanuel Noah about hatching ball pythons, collecting gravid females, letting them lay their eggs in Africa, hatching them, and then sending baby ball pythons over. And if it wasn't for Joe Fossey and and just the happenstance of Emmanuel Noah, Going being dorm roommates, uh, so crazy, we wouldn't have the ball python world that we have now because Emmanuel No was the first person to farm ball pythons in, in Accra, and it was only like 200 a year. And then ultimately, that 200 turned into a hundred thousand uh, ball pythons a year between Accra, uh, Lome, Togo, and, and Abame, Contine, uh Benin. So, uh, so literally, those are the things that I, I, I love. I love the history of yeah, that's that so type cool. of stuff that most people have no clue badass dude that's so sick. Yeah, it's so cool so anyways guys thank you so much for the super chats uh, thank you guys for uh, tuning in today let me know again in the comments now because the stream is going to be down here in a minute uh, what you think about the solo stuff if you want me to keep going what topics you want me to talk about uh, this has been a blast way more fun than I expected yeah, I it to be too. so this was really really fun thank you so much for everything I really do appreciate you guys have an absolutely amazing night make sure to hit all those subscribe things and you know all that share it with yeah, your friends that, that garbage stuff have a one for night, and I look forward to doing this again. And we'll continue this conversation. It's cool.
1: That was dope, dude. 7.7. 7.